Yeah. I ever sh- have I ever shouted at you? Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, you've been angry at me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm angry most of the time. Yeah, but you've been like genuinely angry at me. <laughs> Just a few times. Have you ever been angry at me? Um, probably, but I probably didn't tell you. I just why do why it. wouldn't you tell me? I want to be like it. Just that that really frustrates me. <laughs> yeah, because right, I well, let's not be frustrated now because it's a hypothetical. I don't remember any specific incident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> should we start? Have we not started yet? <laughs> Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to Culture Bucket. Today we are, after last week's um, venture into the dark world of villains, we are this week going all the way over to a lighter side for uh, Disney. We are going to be talking our top five Walt Disney Animation Studios films. Yeah? And I'm your host, George, and with me is your other host, as always... The always effervescent Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Hi. Effervescent. Hi, Alex. What a beautiful word to describe me. Thank you. Not angry. It means sort of like you're... (laughs) But effervescent. No, you're just like a glass of Coca-Cola, but like a really fresh Ah, from the bottle. The really crispy one that kind of irritates your nose, but then is really pleasurable. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like Iron Brew, which is the most effervescent of uh, of fizzy drinks. You know, I've never drank an Iron Brew. Well, you can't now because they've changed the recipe. But it used to be well, because it used to it used to what? have like <laughs> used to have like a kilo of sugar. I think they'd I think they'd they'd worked out exactly how much sugar they could put into liquid before it started going gritty and just put that much sugar <laughs> in. So it used to be, it used to be absurd and you'd open a bottle and literally i once poured a glass of iron brew and a bub like a bubble popped and just exploded in my eye it was so <laughs> strong um it's not quite like that anymore though it's still nice i don't know what it's meant to taste of but it's uh it's good stuff but it's not it's not the same it doesn't have the same level of effervescence that it used to Ah, huh, interesting none of this is is why we're here we're here to talk <laughs> about pop culture so well, i guess it is culture it. isn't it because iron brew has never left the United Kingdom, I don't think. Um, I don't know. I don't think it really has. Certainly not in any big way. No. They've probably exported a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, originally from Scotland. Give, give it up for Scotland. Yeah, baby. With the, with the iron brew. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. I guess I have to start by talking about Joss Whedon, which I don't want to do. Oh, yeah. But let's talk about Joss Whedon. Yeah, let's talk about Joss Whedon. So it's relevant because, I mean, literally, like, a load of stuff, like, the week that we put out the episode where I 
listed my top 10 episodes as a hilarious interlude in the top five musicals part um, was also the week where loads of stuff has come out about Joss Whedon. So it, we should talk about it now. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's terrible. <laughs> what happened? Like, I... He's I, a terrible, I... awful man. Well, so, like... Anyone who's been listening to our podcast consistently knows that I've talked about Buffy the Vampire Slayer a lot because I did a rewatch of it um, late last year. Um, and I do, you know, I it reminded me how much I love it and it informed a large part of who I was as a teenager and stuff. And I, it, it's a pretty important piece of pop culture to me, as is Firefly, um, another show he did, and Angel. And for years little stories would come out about Joss Whedon that made him sound like either this kind of incredible guy mm. that everybody loved or kind of a prick. And you never really knew what was the truth about him. Like, there was this story about how he made a film, he made, like, a Shakespeare adaptation mm. uh, of Much Ado About Nothing, I think it was, and he filmed it in his house of all of these. He always reused his actors so all these actors from what they call the Weedonverse were in it and it had started because he'd have these parties at his house where people would come round and perform monologues to each other and stuff like that. It's all sounded very pretentious and Hollywoody, but that, that was <laughs> yeah. how it came about and he made this movie. Mm. And it was a bit like, well, if he has these actors he always goes back to um, and they always work with him, maybe he, you know, they must like him, they must get on with him. Yeah. But then stories would also come out where Amber Benson, who played Tara, said that, he pulled her aside when they were filming the finale of season five and said, oh, I'm really excited to tell you something about your character. It's really awesome. Next season, we're going to kill you. You're going to die. And like that was always kind of people would talk about that as if it was like this funny kind of anecdote about Joss Whedon. But really, it's kind of like a, a really obnoxious way of telling someone that they're being fired, essentially, as an actor, if you see what I mean. So. Yeah. There's always been like two sides to him when people talk about him and it's never been. I don't know. I've always not really kind of being clear on exactly who he was. Um, then in 2017, he broke up with his wife. She put out this statement about basically accusing him of having spent a decade cheating on her. Oh. And that, like, accusing him of basically using his status as a bit of a feminist icon to mm. mask quite cruel and unpleasant attitudes towards women in his personal life, if you see what I mean. So since about 2017, I've been a bit like... Not not super pumped to hear about any new work from Joss Whedon, if you see what I mean. That was okay. kind of the stance I took at that point, was to be a bit like, I'm not really interested in anything new he does because he sounds mm. like a bit of a jerk, but, you know, Buffy is still Buffy and all of that. Then, last year, yeah. Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in the Justice League film, okay, spoke out against him because what happened with the Justice League film was Zack Snyder was making it. Then Zack Snyder, due to a personal tragedy, had to step away from the movie. Joss Whedon got brought in to uh, finish it and essentially like reshot a bunch of it and turned it into his own thing. Mm. And Ray Fisher came out of these... Alley and it was... I mean, it, the movie was terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. That's what happened. Um, and Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg in the movie... Came out last year with all these statements about how Joshua had been super unprofessional and abusive and horrible on the set of Justice League. Wow. And there was like an internal investigation at Warner Brothers where they make it. And basically the internal investigation seemed to be a bit like, well, we're not going to do anything about it. And he, Ray Fisher, kind of carried on complaining publicly about it. But everyone seems to have this attitude of like, you know, just let, let's drop it now. Until last week, 
um, mid early to mid February in 2021, Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then in Angel, yeah. put out this long statement on her Instagram account, which is worth going and reading. It's I won't read it out on here because it's very like it's two kind of s- slides long. Okay. It's a really long account, but uh, it it describes her experiences on the set of both those TV shows, and it sounds horrific um, amongst. I'd say the most horrible experience that she recounts would be when she became pregnant during filming Angel Mm. and he called her into his office and she was on her own and he asked her if she was going to keep the baby, made fun of her religious beliefs and then ultimately fired her when she gave birth. And like for years, no one's really known why she left Angel during season four exactly, but now it's kind of come out as to... As to why, so Camusa McCarvin's put out this thing that was kind of painted a picture of somebody who was really unpleasant and abusive, and quite quickly, Amber Benson, who played Tara, backed her up. Wow. Uh, Michelle Trachtenberg, who played Dawn, backed her up. Anthony Stewart Head did this interview where he was a bit like, I, 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 I'm just upset. I didn't, and kind of claimed to have never realised any of it and seems quite shook by the whole kind of sudden... Mm. having to realign his his memories of, the, of making the show. Sarah Michelle Geller who played Buffy, put out a statement that was a little bit... Uh, which it was, It's a fair enough statement, really, but it basically says, I'm really focused on getting through the pandemic and looking after my children, but I don't want to be associated with Joss Whedon anymore, and I support Charisma Carpenter, was yeah. sort of what Sam Michelle Geller said. And, yeah, basically, most people seem to have now come out and said that, you know, they stand and support Charisma Carpenter. and That's really good. I think it's pretty clear that us at Culture Bucket, as tidy and unimportant as we are, would also say we stand with Charisma Carpenter, if you see Absolutely. what I mean. Um, and yeah, Joss Whedon's a terrible, terrible person who treated, who the thing that really hurts as a fan of his work is that it kind of was held up as this feminist piece, as this kind of like mm. really important, like feminist icon, like Buffy was a powerful woman who kind of, you know, solved problems on her own and to have the person who created that and was held up as a feminist for that be kind of shown to be actually mm. a misogynist and pretty unpleasant is is pretty upsetting, though not as upsetting as it would have been to have worked with him and gone through those experiences. It's pretty awful for, mm. for those people, for certain. Like Michelle Trachtenberg put out a thing saying, because she was a teenager when they were making Buffy, she put out a thing saying there was a rule that um, she wasn't allowed to be in the room alone with him and she hasn't really expanded on what that meant, but that... That's it, yeah. It just sounds like it's all coming out and sounding like just it was just a bad time, which sucks because I love Buffy and I'm still going to carry on, you know, loving Buffy and respecting yeah. the work of the actresses and people, you know, all the Martin Oxen who was a showrunner later on in the series and and stuff like that, like respecting their work and enjoying their work. But it it's going to stain it now that ultimately at the end of the day it was the creation of this man who's who's pretty appalling. Yeah, and e- yeah. even though in in the kind of working environment they were in, they managed to create a really great show. You know, it's not um, it's not always easy. I guess they also had each other yeah. to support each other, and that's that's good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. People are a bit. Um, Alison Hannigan, who played Willow, and David Boreanaz, who played Angel, are the two that haven't said anything yet, and people are a bit like, "Come on, what? S- say something, please." Well, the thing is, like, so. I think, I think. The more the more time goes on, the more we realize that certain um, behaviors are not acceptable. So uh, yeah. and uh, the the more we we grow and the more you know we get into like 
the future. <laughs> I don't know. But we realize the certain mm. um, uh, certain behaviors are not acceptable. So sometimes I feel in the past and still now we accept it and we still accept behavior that is not acceptable, considering yeah. it normal behavior. And maybe yeah. you have a different perception. Not. I'm not saying that the the people that have come out have are not right. I'm saying that you you at the time had a different perception of that, and you might have experienced the time not in a bad way, just because that's what you're used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's clear that Chris McCarpenter yeah. struggled a lot. Uh, oh, sorry, I've got a, my phone's ringing. No, uh, uh, I think there's an Amazon package for me. Yeah, it is an Amazon. I'll okay. be just a second. Yeah. Sorry. Don't forget your mask. It's fu- it's it's interesting because we always expect people to release a statement and to say something and but then thinking about myself and if I have to like stand up to something you have to be really careful what you say because you might have not experienced the same things but you want to be supportive how on earth are you can you be you know I know you have a full yeah. team of people but people especially now read what you say in like the minuscule most like thought and so I don't know you have to be yeah. really no, careful. That's why I, mean. I think probably like Sir Michelle Gellar and Anthony Head were quite good with it where they just sort of were like, you know, they didn't make any allegations of their own, but they just said made it clear that they stood with Charisma yeah. Carpenter and her experiences. Yeah. Um, she's so good. She's so good as Cordelia. Mm. It's horrible to think that she was, you know, suffering when she was mm. doing that. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, such is the way. Never it's mind. Horrible. Um, but, yeah, so... That said, let's move on to some more positive stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, let's see, One Division was brilliant again this week, but maybe we should put a pin in One Division until the and talk about it again in the after it's finished fully. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. 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 But it's great. It Halloween was so episode good. This week. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. Like it gets better yeah. and better. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And do you know that the next show is gonna start like a week or two like after One Division finishes? Really? Yeah, like uh, it's going to roll straight into um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's going to be like within a couple of weeks of One Division finishing. It's it's pretty good. So I watched uh, I watched a true crime documentary on Netflix um, called the I think the title is Crime Scene Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a true crime documentary. It's four episodes long. Each one's about fifty minutes, and it's about this uh, girl called Elisa Lam who. Uh, tragically died whilst staying at the Cecil Hotel in about 2011. Um, made famous because of this video footage that was released um, after when she was di- when she had disappeared, but nobody knew if she died or not. They put out this video footage asking if anyone could help find her. That was um, her in the lift in the hotel, kind of acting really erratically. And almost, like in a way that people almost thought that she was being hunted by an unseen person or haunted by a ghost or all kinds of crazy theories came out because this footage is so strange. Um, but then what ultimately happened was just a really sad, tragic story of somebody with mental health difficulties. Um, and and, that, and <clears throat> I just would recommend maybe reading up on... The, if you're interested in the case, look it up on the internet, read up on it. Don't watch the documentary because it's uh, pretty exploitative i think of the case okay and it does this irritating thing where it kind of talks about there's a there was a documentary called don't f with cats 
um, a year or so ago that was quite similar where it really focuses on on internet sleuths that try to solve the case over the internet. And in this case, it's like YouTubers making videos about it. And mm. it has this section where it talks about this guy who stayed in the Cecil Hotel and was a death metal musician. So there were YouTube videos of him for his music videos for his band um, mm. that were really dark and graphic and about people being murdered and stuff. And because of that, because there was... He had done an Instagram post that he'd stayed in the hotel. And because he was a death metal musician, everyone, all these YouTube people were like, oh my God, he's the killer. And people started harassing him online and, you know, trying to get him in trouble mm. and all this kind of stuff. And um, obviously he didn't do it. He had nothing to do with it. But the documentary doesn't mention that he stayed in the hotel a full year or so before she did. So really, he had no crossover with her at all. So the documentary, on one hand, wants you to sort of judge these YouTubers for asking this guy for thinking based yeah. on nothing that he'd done this murder. But then on the other hand, mm. edits itself in a way where it makes you think that he might be the murderer. And he's a real guy. This isn't a story. This is things that really happened. It's not correct to even for a second allow you to imagine this man might be a murderer because he's not. Uh yeah. And maybe this, maybe as I'm as I'm saying that, I'm realizing that that's something a lot of true crime documentaries do, and it's part of the storytelling of it, and I understand that. But something yeah. about the way this particular documentary was made rubbed me up the wrong way. So it's kind of doing the rounds at the moment on Netflix. Loads of people are watching it, and I would just recommend. You know, there's so many podcasts about the Elisa Lam case and stuff like that that do it in a more te that tell her story in a more tasteful way. I'd recommend looking up some of them rather than uh, mm. rather than watching the documentary on Netflix. Uh, other than that, I watched a couple of films this week. I watched The Fly, the Jeff Goldblum, David Cronenberg movie from the 80s, um, which I'm guessing you haven't seen. No, The Fly, like The Fly, no. like a fly, like fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it's about? No. So uh, Jeff Goldblum is a scientist called... Uh, is Seth he? Brundle. When is Jeff Goldblum yeah, not yeah, a yeah. scientist? That's amazing. Uh, Alex, I mean, <laughs> I you love would, it. You'd you'd struggle a bit with this movie because it gets pretty graphically body horrorish and pretty horrible. But it's the most Jeff Goldblum role that he's ever played ever. Like he's so he's like turned up to eleven in it. It's amazing. Um, Wow. But yeah, he plays a scientist called Seth Brundle and he's invented teleportation pods that allow you to teleport something from one side of a room to another or, or you know, from one pod to another pod mm. that can be teleported across. Um, he invites a reporter played by Gina Davis who is so good in this movie. Um, She's good in every movie. See... Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was, Her and Jeff Goldblum were uh, partners when they made this and then they got married a little bit later and then split up and stuff. But uh, yeah. What? Um, this is so he shows this is what they were what yeah, Jeff yeah, yeah, Goldblum yeah, yeah, yeah. and Virginia Davis yeah 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 definitely. I did not know and that. they they play they get they get romantically involved in this film and the chemistry that you know you can it was a good casting oh. um so yeah he shows off this um thing he, he teleports her stocking from one pod to another <laughs> yeah um <laughs> he shows her, her thing. <laughs> She shows him his her things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then he tries to teleport a baboon, and the teleporter turns the baboon inside out, and it's disgusting. And he's like, 
oh, he doesn't understand organic material yet, da-da-da-da-da. He fixes it, and he successfully transports a baboon, and then he gets drunk, and he's like, right, I'm going to do a human test. I'm going to transport myself. Oh. And he tries to teleport himself across the room, and uh-oh, a fly gets into the teleporter with him, and the teleporter gets confused, and instead of teleporting them both across the room, it splices their DNA together, and he comes out of the teleporter, and he's still Jeff Goldblum, but then over the course of the rest of the movie, he slowly starts to sort of turn and become Brundlefly, and uh, it's it's wonderful. It's it's like a perfect movie. It's such a good film. Um, the the way Jeff Goldblum performs as he like starts to lose control of himself and like these different things are happening to him, and it it and at the end, I was crying. By the time it finished, it was it's such a kind of emotional movie that it's heartbreaking. It's a great film. I think you'd enjoy it. I think you'd find a lot to like in it. It, but it is some of the some of the effects and stuff are pretty. There's a bit where he has an arm wrestling competition. He's got really strong because I guess he's got the strength of a fly. I don't know. And um, <laughs> I guess proportionally, if you made a fly as big as a person, it would be really strong. So I don't know. Uh, and he has an arm wrestling competition. This guy and just like snaps this guy's arm in half, and the bone kind of starts coming. It's, pretty pretty gnarly stuff but there's a lot there's a lot of substance behind it uh and it's it's great it's a perfect i haven't seen it since i was a teenager i remember liking it as a teenager but i realized watching it you know now that it's kind of a perfect movie it's really good um then i watched a film uh, i watched a film on netflix called red dot which is a new netflix movie that's brilliant i'd really recommend it to people it's a swedish film about a couple a young couple who are about a year into being married and they're sort of struggling to connect with each other a bit so they decide to go on a camping trip um in in the north uh on in the snow and under the northern lights and it's going to be very romantic just the two of them and their dog uh, they go on this camping trip and they wake up on the first night and there is a sniper's red dot pointed at them and they you know obviously they don't know where it's coming from so it's pretty tense and gritty and uh yeah a really good kind of grim film uh sort of scandinavian dark drama uh i would recommend that red dot is really good and it's on netflix so everyone can watch it then i watched uh the brad pitt movie moneyball have you seen moneyball no actually ah sorry just the my (laughs) my earphone just popped out of my ear Moneyball. I have not seen Moneyball. <laughs> Moneyball is um is a Brad Pitt film about a guy who, um, he's a he's a general manager for for the a baseball team, the Oakland A's. I think they're called in America, and it's a true story of him like just kind of trying to work out a way where they can start winning games despite being like the poorest team because the way baseball works is the the teams with the most money just buy the best players and then win all the games essentially and they don't have enough money to do that so he kind of comes up with a different way using statistics of um, building a team that can win games uh, despite not being kind of the expensive players which is an interesting story it's kind of one of those brilliant movies where it's just it's just people who are really competent and good at their job being good at their job and succeeding, mm. if you see what I mean. And sometimes yeah. it's quite nice to just watch one of those films where the drama is minimal. Like there's a there's there's a few people that are skeptical of his new way of doing things in baseball, mm. but ultimately they're just arguing about baseball. It doesn't really matter. 
he obviously is right ultimately and the team does really well and it's just nice to just watch it play out and enjoy Brad Pitt being a competent man uh, along with Jonah <laughs> Hill who's in it and is, is pretty good. So yeah, I'd, I'd, I don't understand baseball so mm. parts of the movie were totally lost on me but it's still quite an entertaining film if you just want to sit down for a couple of mm. hours and watch something that's quite quite peaceful. I'd recommend Moneyball for sure. Then the only other film I watched is called Wrong Turn. It's a slasher movie from 2003. It stars Eliza Dushku as a teenager who's being menaced by some cannibal hillbillies in the woods. And it's rubbish. (laughs) So don't watch. If you've never seen Wrong Turn, there's absolutely no reason to watch it. So (laughs) please don't. Um, I listened to I listened to two no three Adam Buxton episodes this week, which I haven't listened to any for a while, so that was exciting. Okay. What I listened listen to, to the Paul. I listened to Paul McCartney that you said you'd listen to. That, was that not a good episode? It was a good one. I it was. I liked wasn't it. it. I, enjoyed... like, I feel like my se- my perception of yeah, yeah. him kind of changed. My perception of Paul McCartney has always been that he's a quite kind of a gentle, you know, elder statesman of rock. And maybe isn't the world's most interesting man, but mm. is an amiable guy. And that's my impression of him. And the Adam Buxton podcast just sort of reinforced okay, that. Yeah. Do you see mm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, But I liked it. It was good. I really enjoyed him, Adam, having his mic on for two minutes before the interview started. And you just kind of heard him freaking out about yeah. how he was about to <laughs> yeah. interview Paul McCartney. Which yeah. is exactly how you would you would be if you if if you were doing that. That's kind of the biggest name he's had, pretty much. I think. Yeah. So. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was interesting. It was cool. So yeah. I also listened to the Robbie Williams episode. Have you listened <gasps> to that? So good. I really, really it's like so that, that episode. Yeah. It's so good. Um, it's so interesting to hear two people who in the nineties knew that they didn't like each other, or yeah. especially Robbie Williams knew that Adam Buxton didn't yeah. like him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like because obviously, even if he's not a huge Beatles fan, Beatles fan, Adam Buxton would be intimidated because Robbie because Paul McCartney makes music of the type that Adam Buxton likes. If you see yeah. what I mean. But I don't think Adam Buxton sits down and listens to Robbie Williams very no. often. No. It was interesting to hear that conversation where Robbie is very aware that he's not. Like Adam is not necessarily starstruck by him because he thinks yeah. he's talented. If you see what I mean, he is yeah. talented, yeah. but his music isn't isn't for isn't for Adam or for no. me. But he seems like a f- an interesting man. Oh, he's really interesting. Sure. Like I really yeah. liked him because he's so. He kind of seems like a really real dude. They he knows, and they were how he was talking about his music. It's like well, you know, not necessarily what he likes either, but it's something that he sells or you know it's. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it was really honest, which I thought was really good. I like yeah. that. Or when, yeah, or when Adam Adam was talking about how he thought that that have you heard Rude Box? Because he plays him his parody of Rude Box. Yeah, um, but I don't think I've ever I'm, heard Rude Box. I then I didn't I it, didn't listen to it after. It's a pretty silly. It's a pretty ridiculous song, yeah. and like at the time, Adam thought that it was Robbie Williams trying to sound like he was kind of down with current popular culture because yeah. it's got, just got all these references of different things. So he made this quite biting kind of parody of it. Yeah, and it's quite it's quite funny to hear Robbie Williams just be like, "Oh no, I was just high and being silly. <laughs> like it wasn't. <laughs> yes, I wasn't like calculated in that way. It's, it was yeah. It was a really interesting episode. I really really enjoyed that one. Yeah. Um. 
And then, just because I'm personally a massive fan, I listened to the Stuart Lee interview that he did. Oh, um, it was so good. Yeah. Like, I just, I love Stuart Lee. And I had moments where I just, I was just crying with laughter. Yeah. When he was it's talking about so um, funny. going out into the street to tell those students to stop partying. <laughs> that was <laughs> so... Like... And I was driving at that point. And I, I, was, I was driving like, as well. I was like, Alex, you can not laugh. That was so funny. I also rewinded. I had to listen to it again. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? How old are you? <laughs> it was so funny. Uh yeah, I love um, Stuart Lee. Yeah. I, I, I went to see him live a few years ago and I thought it was like one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, I've seen him live. He's one of the best was... things I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he's just him. naturally funny, but in a yeah. really normal way. Yeah. But he, yeah, he's able he's able to take like a phrase or a word <laughs> and repeat it. And some people hate it. Some people don't understand why it's funny, but he's able to repeat just a... A, a single word yeah. over and over again and just keep making it funny. He's a very, he's a naturally very so funny good. guy. Just, just the thing about how old are you? Like, that's just yeah. him asking, how old are you? But the way he says it, how old are you? It's like, me, me, me. Anyway, anyway, um, Adam oh. Buxton podcast is, is really good. Obviously, we talk, talk about that fairly often, but um, I haven't listened to it in a while. Yeah, because I tend to let the episodes build up, uh, and those three in particular I really enjoyed. I don't know where to go next because there's two, there's a lot of like when interviews kind of current comedians, I tend not to listen. What with Adam just... Buxton? Yeah. Hmm. Um. Well, I really liked one. Well, have you listened to one to one the George the Poet? I know I'm obsessive, but did you have you listened to the one with George the Poet? No. Listen to that one. It's really, really good. All right. And that might make you go to George's podcast. All right. Okay. And and then and then there's one about another poet, which I can't remember his name. Can I check? Do, do you want a recommendation? Yeah, if you or want to. do you yeah? No, I'd like a recommendation. Although I, I mean I'm gonna sound like I'm an uncultured person now, but I don't like poetry, so I don't know. Oh. G, you're talking, you're preaching to the mountain. I don't, I don't get poetry. I don't get it. And I, I'm, I'm surprised. I really like these two. Like, I don't understand poetry. I was not good at it. I was not good in class. I was like, what is that? Um, I was an angry child. <laughs> like, I'm an angry adult. Uh, no. But I, I would recommend this because I feel because of not being a, a, a fan of poetry, I kind of. I was surprised I liked these two people so much. Okay. So um, the other one is the episode 142, Benjamin Zephaniah. I thought it was oh, really right. interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, I thought, I'll, I'll try and have a listen to that one. Yeah, and I, I really liked his story as well, uh, How what kind of person he is. And um, I, li I like the one with uh, Rachel Bloom that did... Um, oh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Is that a good yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Okay. I'll definitely yeah. listen to that one. Um, so the only other thing briefly is, and you won't be interested in this, so I won't go about it too long, but uh, a new Mario game came out this week called Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which is interesting because Super Mario 3D World came out on the Wii U a few years ago in like 2013, I think. 
And mm. it's my it's my favourite 3D Mario platformer, personally. So if you're talking about Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy, all of those games up to Odyssey, my favourite is Super Mario 3D World. Hardly anyone played it because it came out on the Wii U, which is like Nintendo's least successful console ever. So they've re-released it and they've packed in a kind of a weird side thing called Bowser's Fury with it. And I've been playing a bit of that. Super Mario 3D World holds up. It's still absolutely fantastic. It's just full of... It's just got so many different levels in it and each one's like based around a different kind of little idea that they build on. And then they throw that idea away and they think of a new idea for the next level and it's just endless invention and creativity and it's just so much fun. It's wonderful. Bowser's Fury is this strange thing they've put in and it took me about six hours to finish completely so it's not a super big game but this it's just packed in with mario 3d world it's not oh you oh alex alex had a facial expression like she was in shock at how short it was but you were in shock at how long it was <laughs> all right okay i was like oh and you're like oh it wasn't that long okay yeah i forgot that you pay like video games for like not 100 hours so yeah <laughs> yeah exactly just... so yeah six hours is short for a video yeah. game um, but because it's packed in with Mario 3D World, it doesn't need to be really long. But it's it's interesting. It's set on one big lake that's covered in islands, and each island has a lighthouse on it, like archipelagos. And each lighthouse has five. Think about lighthouses. Oh yeah, it's not like that. Each lighthouse, <laughs> if Willem Dafoe suddenly turned up in one of them, that'd be hilarious. But no, <laughs> each lighthouse has five shines you can collect on the island. Each lighthouse has five shines you can collect on the island that the lighthouse is on. And the more shines you get, uh, basically, it's like collecting stars in another in any other Mario game. In the center of this lake is a giant, like Godzilla-sized Bowser, and every five or ten minutes, he wakes up and starts just breathing fire at you and throwing things at you. And it's all happening within the world of as the it kind of seamlessly happens in this open world, which is unusual for a Mario game. And if you collect enough shines, you can turn yourself into a giant. Godzilla-sized Mario in a cat suit and fight the giant Godzilla Bowser. And it's pretty weird and different and interesting for Mario, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so if you have a Nintendo Switch, I would massively recommend that game because it's one of the best games ever made, packed in with this cool side side idea. Um, so yeah, it's brilliant. And that's all my culture catch-up for this week. How about I you, like Alex? It. I like it. Good. I like Mario. I wish I could play more. Yeah. yeah, so do I. Then we could talk about it on here. Oh, uh, let's try something new as well, by the way. Before we move on to your culture catch-up, I'm going to yeah. show you what arrived in my Amazon package today. Uh, we can briefly talk about it, and then I'll have a review of it next week. Yeah? Okay, okay. All right, so I'm going to show you the cover of this, and you can you can describe it. Are you ready? Yes, queen. Oh, my God. What is that? <laughs> I can see myself. Do, oh, I, ha do to... I have to say the title of what I can see? Yeah, what can you say? Uh, Tammy the T-Rex. Yeah, Tammy and the T-Rex. Tammy and the T-Rex. Is it a DVD? It's a it's a Blu-ray, so yeah, it's, it's a, a DVD. Blu -ray. I can see an 18, so it's probably gory. It's a 15, a but yeah, it's, it's gory. And sexy. It stars, can you see, can, can you see that name? Denise Richards and the, p p p Paul Walker. Yes. Who, who, who on earth is Paul Walker? Oh, Paul Walker's the guy that was in the Fast and the Furious movies and then he died really tragically in a car crash. He's been in other things other than Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, Tammy and the T-Rex is from... Oh, where is it? 1993. Wow. 
Did you know that Denise so Richards is... now is one of the housewives of Beverly Hills? I think I had heard that, yeah. I think yeah. this is the first movie she was ever in. Um, can I read the plot synopsis to you? And then <laughs> you can see what Absolutely. we think. <laughs> We're going cool. rogue. We're going rogue. Because uh, I'm interested to... I've never. I've barely heard of this movie. I've definitely never seen it, but it looks crazy. Um, <laughs> Tammy... Tammy is a popular high school cheerleader whose new boyfriend, Michael, might be the love of her life. But Tammy's jealous ex, Billy, won't stand for anyone coming between him and his girl. So he and his friends kidnap Michael, leaving him to be mauled by a lion in a local wildlife reserve. Comatose and at death's door, Michael's body is stolen from the hospital by mad scientist Dr. Wackenstein, who extracts his brain and implants it into a giant robotic T-Rex. Horrified by his predicament and new dinosaur body, Michael escapes from the doctor's lab and begins brutally killing his former bullies. Meanwhile, Tammy and her best friend Byron start searching for a suitable human corpse in which to re-transplant Michael's brain. <laughs> Great. Enjoy. Yeah. I-, I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, so come back next week for my review of Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah. It's it's sure to be exciting. There we go. Nice. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right, you ready? Yeah, yeah. Uh super ready. Uh okay, so uh I'm gonna I've listened to um Okay Human by Weezer. Oh yeah, what did you think? Um I I I enjoy, I enjoyed the album. I thought it was cool. Um however, like I think I, I texted you a few weeks ago telling you that for me, knowing his age and hearing his songs don't match for me what I'm what what I'm hearing and him. So I'm a bit kind of still freaked out just because I think maybe his voice is quite boyish and I don't know. I feel like he's he's stuck. But I, I it's a good album. It's an it's an okay album. It's enjoyable I don't know to if listen he, to. I- I don't know if that's true on this album. There's a lot of songs about his current life, I think. Yeah, yeah. At one point, he's talking about his wife and his children upstairs, and he's uh, talking about uh, on his piano. And I really like that song. I think that Playing was my the piano. Moment... What did I say? No, no, you were right. No, it's just sorry. I didn't know. It's just funny that that's after, the name of the song. After Enola Jones, anything could come out of my mouth. So. No, no. <laughs> so I thought I thought there were some songs that were like matching what are my expectations and some songs were a bit childish the ones you sent me the video of about um his favorite song is that is that the song yeah. my favorite song all my favorite songs yeah yeah i prefer that song not with the video that's so fair I actually quite enjoy that song better without seeing his face <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay i'm having some problems with person music not matching but that's just my problem nobody else's problem yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a song on it called "Bird of a Broken Wing," which mm. I've seen people in people interpret that as a song about him being like, because it's all about how like back in the day he'd soar high in the sky and do whatever he wanted, and it was amazing. And now he's got a broken wing and he can't fly as high anymore. But don't 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 be upset for him because he can still sing his favorite song. In, and it seems like a bit of a commentary on Weezer not being who they were back in the day. But he still likes that he just gets to sing his song and do what he wants, even if it's not as popular and big as it used to be. And I, I think that's, I kind of think there's something moving there. Mm-hmm. I like that, yeah. and I, I think it, I think it is, 
it, it kind of dresses itself up in metaphor a bit more than Pinkerton or something like that, but I think it is mm. quite a personal album. Um, yeah. And it also has a song in it that's definitely just an advert for Audible. But <laughs> never yeah. mind. We yeah. are always going to do their weird thing. Um, but no, okay. Well, I think that's pretty high praise, really, because a lot of Weezer's albums you could listen to and, and think they were terrible. So uh, yeah, I think that that's as no, good no, as we I could have surprised. I was pleasantly surprised because uh, after Pinkerton, which I loved, like I love Pinkerton, and I thought I was going to love Weezer, remember, after that, then I listened to all the other albums and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really I enjoyed this album. I thought it was good. Cool. Uh, cool. Yeah. So good recommendation. Uh, thank you very much. And then um, uh, I listened to the new album by a group called The Staves. Okay. Yeah. Um, it seems like we um I'm we are obsessed with Adam Buxton, but um, they made they made a song in. Um, for Adam Buxton for his Christmas um, episode with um, his friend Joe, okay. <laughs> and uh, and the song was really good. But uh, I thought there weren't like a really big band. I just thought there were just like people that he found that made the song. And then um, a few days ago on Spotify, uh, they just appeared on my Spotify. They released an album on the fifth of February, and uh, called. Um, one uh, good woman mm-hmm. and it's a really really good album i really really enjoyed it um the the band is formed by three sisters so a bit like aim i'm um and uh they're english differently from i'm and uh, they this is kind of like a really interesting indie folk kind of album and um it's kind of personal and a little bit emotional which I enjoyed about that. Um, and then I Pitchfork gave it a 6.9, so pretty high. Or is it pretty low for Pitchfork? No, for Pitchfork, it's pretty high, isn't it? Um, it's, it really? it's, it's decent. It's a decent score for Pitchfork. Okay. Well, then Pitchfork can go away uh, because I, I feel like it's a really, really good album. They have some really nice harmonizing. It's a, um, it's, there are some like really personal songs and I think they they talk about you know um their mother uh passed um passed away uh one of them just had a baby and uh they one of them or I'm not sure which one broke up with their boyfriend so it, it kind of feels like a really personal album and I really really enjoyed it I I definitely recommend it and uh, this is another Adam Buxton kind of <laughs> uh, recommendation but um they're really, really good, and I. The Guardian I gave it four out of five, which is pretty good. Yeah, I I would give him give it a good four out of five. Um, I thought six point nine out of ten Pitchfork was, you know, top notch. Um, but yeah, they released other albums that I I I haven't I I would like to listen to, but Good Woman is a good album. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will I will definitely listen to that. Yeah, and uh, this week it was the Super Bowl. Uh, after I talked about the fact that I didn't listen, watch the Super Bowl uh, half times, did you watch the weekend at the Super Bowl? The weekend Bowl? at the Stupid Bowl, I did. At the Super Bowl, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think of it? Uh, I thought it was good. I like. I mean, I like the weekend. I like that album. I thought it was yeah. a perfectly good performance. Um, yeah. The bit where he runs into the stage and is running around in that big hall of mirrors is being gift uh, quite hilariously. And yeah, yeah, I know I liked it. I, yeah. What did you think? I, I thought 
was okay. I felt really bad for him because usually the half uh, time is kind of full of people and there's guests and there's not just... But it was just him by himself <laughs> singing with like in this massive stadium with not many people around him. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like he was a bit lost at some point. So he was just there by himself the weekend. And um, I but think it was I, a I conscious... Liked... Yeah, yeah. I think it was a conscious choice of him to have no guests, I think. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I guess I guess you shouldn't really have any guests. And everybody else that wasn't him had a mask on, which I really yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that everybody had a bandage and a mask on. And um, I like when he runs into the stadium. I thought that was the best part. And that was like popping. But the rest was a bit, for me, I don't know. I felt a bit like just as a little kid <laughs> by himself in this massive Yeah, maybe. <laughs> for me, I very much like... I really like that. I mean, we've spoken about this before, but I really like that After Hours album he put out last year. But when I've ever, whenever I've tried to go back and listen to any of his older work, I just don't can't get into it. So like all the old songs he mm. sang, I didn't care about. But like when he sings Blinding Lights, I'm always oh, there for it. Yeah, and the crowd that, that song's great. It was it was pretty good. But yeah, I watched it. I thought, oh yeah, I might have to watch it. Cause, you know, it's always a forget. Not as good as Shakira and J Lo, but acceptable. No. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, yeah, I finally started watching The Mandalorian, George. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's cool. What do you think of it? So good. <laughs> so good. It's amazing. How good yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I love it. Ah, oh, well, I was, I, I didn't want to start watching it because I didn't want to be. I, I feel like since episode one, yeah. two, three, I've had really real bad trust issues with Star Wars. Although I love seven, eight, and nine, like amazing. Even nine, really? I don't know. I haven't seen nine. No, seven and eight. I haven't seen nine. In fact, I realized the other day watching Mandalorian, I hadn't seen nine because I think I yeah. just moved to Italy when it came out, so I haven't seen nine. Is it bad? Can I? I can I give you a quick it. quick review of nine? Quick review of nine. No. I'll give you a quick review of nine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Her. Oh no! Well, I'm gonna watch it anyway. So seven and yeah, eight. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Give it a go. But yeah, oh, seven and eight are really good. They can't be worse than one, two, and three. Oh, it is. It's my least okay. favorite Star Wars film. Oh no! Oh god, no! But never mind. So I no, it's I, not because episode two is my least favorite. But it's it's down there with episode two. I can't okay. stand it. So so I have to watch that one, or maybe I won't watch it because you said it's bad. But I have this really no, weird definitely watch issue. it. Please watch it. Please watch it. Okay, but, fine, I'll watch it. Yeah. But uh, so I started watching The Mandalorian. Um, bloody hell, is so good. It's it's amazing. It's funny like Star Wars should be funny. It's yep. serious like Star Wars supposed to be serious. It's got the characters. It's got the languages. It's got the shooter. It's just it's just perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just good. How much have you seen? I've seen four episodes. Okay. Yeah, I've okay. only started a few days ago because um, I'm in uh, isolation. Isolation. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. Nice. Also so only four episodes, uh, but I'm I'm. Kind have you of... seen? What? Have you seen Gina Carano in it yet? Is that is that the cool lady? The cool. Yeah, woman. she's the cool the woman. Coolest woman. Yeah, yeah. She appeared in this episode where he arrives on this um, planet. And he goes. He finds these people with the, that fish stuff. 
the fish stuff? They're not fish, they're like shrimp. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And they, the, the village is being attacked by... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The village has yeah, been yeah. attacked. And, um, yeah, and uh, the Mandalorian doesn't take his helmet off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she, Gina Carano, the actress that plays that character, Cara Dune, um, in terms of talking about pop culture figures that have disappointed us recently, she got fired from season three of that this week. Why? Uh, well, it's been building up for a while. But the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of her behaviour on social media uh, was that this week she compared the treatment of conservatives in America to the treatment of Jewish people in Nazi Germany. Why? Like, don't tell me these things. Tell me on episode three, because I don't follow things like that. Tell me on series three that she's been fired for this reason. I'm going to hate her. Sorry. Oh, she's no. very, It's very disappointing because I she's like my favorite character in The Mandalorian. Like, I love I, her. I really yeah, love it's her. Rubbish. She's yeah. cool. She's she's just uh, awesome. Like, how on earth would you compare yourself to a Jewish person in Nazi Germany? Like, you are, you are, you are privileged out of this world you are ridiculous yeah never yeah. mind i mean but, we'll talk about it. we'll talk we'll be talking about it in a few minutes but i watched shinder's list this week and then the following day she did that and i was just like uh no that's <laughs> uh, not no. the case shut up yeah um yeah but yeah, yeah. like last year uh, she changed she on you know people on on twitter will put their chosen pronouns she she on her on her bio on twitter she put like beep boop bop or something as like a kind of joke about people having chosen gender pronouns and she did that like a year ago, and then she's done a few of the kind of right wingish conservative y type things on Twitter and social media. And then, yeah, this week when she did that, that was kind of like the last straw, which sucks because she's amazing in like her performance in The Mandalorian as Cara June is really, really so good. good. Yeah, it's and it so sucks good. that. Um... But luckily, there are many other things to enjoy about The Mandalorian. So I think we'll be okay. Mm. I, I look forward to hearing more about what you think of it as you go through it. I I think you'll really like it as it goes on. It gets it gets better and better. I think yeah. season two is fantastic. So yeah, yeah, you should and, stick with it. Yeah, but one thing that I'm really confused is this supposed to be? It's before, isn't it? So. It so it's set five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. So it's set just after Luke Skywalker has defeated Emperor Palpatine and they've de destroyed the Death Stars and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was after, but then it, I'm I'm confused by the Yoda. That's not Yoda, Alex. Okay, fine. That's a baby of Yoda's species. But it's okay, not Yoda. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. 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 Everyone called it baby Yoda. The t the the term the term for it that they use in marketing is the child. They just call it the child, but then everyone calls yeah. it baby Yoda because it looks like a baby Yoda, but it's it not actually. It does look like Yoda. a baby Yoda. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, it's very cute. So cute. It's so cute. He's fifty years old. He's not a child. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, uh, oh, that yeah. bit in episode one where he kills the droid uh, and then saves the, the the baby Yoda is pretty good. Yeah, I love it. So good. So good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Yeah, and then uh. Yeah. Uh. So uh, the Mandalorian really, really good. Carried on watching Wonder Vision. Wonder Vision. Uh, <laughs> Wonder Vision. It's an excellent um series. 
And then I watched a film, which um, was really unexpected, actually. Um, my mom, my mother, I watched the film with my mother. And okay. uh, she was like, oh, I found this lovely comedy um, with Ian e- e- McKellen and um, Helen Mirren. You want to watch it? It's like, yeah, I'll watch a nice uh, romantic comedy. It's like, it's about these two people that like meet online. Like, brave, you know, never trust an elderly mother. Isn't this mother. a thriller? <laughs> never trust an elderly mother that goes, let's watch. <laughs> let's watch Are you a about, lovely is this the romantic good liar? Uh, that's not a comedy i've not seen it and i know it's not a comedy um and then at one point like so we started watching it and um so there's a film with ellen Mirren and he mckellen and uh yeah it's not a romantic comedy at all (laughs) 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 it's a romantic comedy yeah and then when he mckellen gets on you know gets somebody to like punch somebody else with a meat cleaver like no this is definitely not a romantic comedy (laughs) surprise and it's a thriller not a romantic comedy uh about this con artist that uh tries to con this woman uh this kind of like millionaire uh that he meets uh, online and uh it's just the story about you know you know him trying to con but you know this because it's a thriller it's full of like plots and twists and turns Ian McKellen and Ellen Mirren are fantastic in it they're really really good but yeah no I thought I thought this film was brilliant I thought it was good it got it had a good thriller um it's got it had his little twist and turns it had a bit of goriness which I dislike I realized and then we'll talk about it later about <laughs> gore and and that's it for my culture catch-up cool my culture catch-up yeah, nice. short Culture but ketchup. sweet. For sure. Um, cool. All right, then. That was Culture Catch-Up. Thanks for joining us for Culture Catch-Up. Shall we move on to homework? Yes, please. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Now. George? George? Hi. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Judge. Can you hear me? Judge. Yes, I can. (laughs) Now I can. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, homework. Yeah. Homework time. Homework time. So, last week was uh, our episode on top five movie villains. Yeah. I had seen all the movies featuring the villains on your list. So, we took one off your honorable mentions list. Um, yeah. Herman? Herman? Is it Herman? Let me look it up because I don't want to get it wrong. Eamon Goeth? Eamon Goeth, yeah. Eamon Goeth and Goeth. Um, the German SS soldier mm-hmm. um, in charge of one of the uh, forced labour camps. Jewish forced labour camps during World War Two, featured in the movie Schindler's List. So for the first time ever, sort of, I watched Schindler's List this week. And the reason I say short, sort of is because in uh, when I was in year seven or eight in school, which would have been like, I'd have been 11 or 12 years old, mm. um, for Holocaust Memorial Week, my school decided that they wanted to show us Schindler's List. Mm. 
um, because it's like a, I think it's a 15 in the UK or possibly an 18. I think it's a 15. Yeah. They obviously couldn't really show it to us, so they had to get permission from our parents. So it was this big deal. We had to take this letter home. Our parents had to sign it saying they gave us permission to watch and list as like a historical document, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it was this whole big thing. And then ultimately, in the end, I think they showed us about 15 minutes of it (laughs) after all of that. I think they literally just showed us the liquidation of the ghetto, that like that sequence, if you see what I mean. Mm, yeah. Which, which is horrifying, but free of any context, it's just a series yeah. of, of of people running around. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything yeah, yeah. if you watch Absolutely. it without the context of the rest of the movie. It, mm. was, it was an exercise in pointlessness that my school did. Um, yeah. So that was my only experience with Schindler's List pre that because for some reason i think for years in my head then i was like oh i've seen shins list i don't need to watch it but when i think when i thought about it as an adult i'm like no i haven't i've not at all mm. so it was good f- to finally sit down and watch shins list because it is of course a, a masterpiece and yeah. also more than a film it's more important than, than than any other film really it documents in quite horrible detail the most awful th- what well no because humans are terrible to each other all the time but one of the most horrific events yeah. in living human history certainly um the, the the genocide of the jewish people by the nazis during world war ii um through the lens of this guy oscar schindler who was an industrialist who basically at the start was just an opportunist who realized mm. that he could pay jewish people much less than polish people to work in his factory so he got a load of them working in his factory and then when they all got shipped off to, to labour camps, he opened a factory in one of the labour camps and that's where Eamon Goff comes in, who was running that camp and is just this horrible, despicable, disgusting creature uh, played amazingly by Ralph Fiennes, who put on yeah. a load of weight to do it and struts around with his belly sticking out like this he's got he's got no vanity in this role at all like he he just seems like a just a deplorable disgusting nasty piece of work before you've ever even seen him do anything awful um it just radiates off ralph fines which is you know an amazing performance uh and then there's this the sequences of him just sat up on the balcony of this uh villa he lives in um shooting people with a with a rifle and and then Doing all like he is definitely one of cinema's most unpleasant villains and characters, uh, and 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 partly because it's it was a real person. He he really existed, yeah. And that's that's horrible to think about. Apparently, one of the survivors um, of of the Holocaust, who's depicted in the movie, one of uh, the Jews that's saved by Oscar Schindler, met went to set and met. Well, finds in his getup as Eamon Goff, and she started shaking uncontrollably because he was so reminiscent of the real man. Mm. Um, so accurate was his portrayal. So it's quite, you know, quite amazing to see. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I don't know if Enjoy is the right film. I mean, I sat down on a Monday evening and put it on, and it's three hours and fifteen minutes long, and it just completely broke me and it was interesting to look up at the afterwards and look up what people think about it and what the reviews are like because obviously mm. you know predominantly people adore it but yeah a few people have criticized it at various points and one of the weird pieces of criticism i read about it was that somebody said that the sea there's a scene at the end where um oscar schindler played by liam neeson after his i mean spoilers but i'm not interested like it, 
don't you're not watching it for the story you're watching it to kind of understand yeah, the event absolutely. if you see what I mean so yeah. there's a scene at the end where um he's the the, the Germany has declared surrender and uh he kind of gives a big speech in his factory that they're all free and that he has to flee because essentially he's a he's a war profiteer he's, he's profited off slave slave labor and all of these things so he's going to have mm. to flee but obviously you know they all know that he's by that point in the movie, his character has changed and he's saved them. And he's intentionally yeah. made it certain that his ammunitions factory has produced no usable ammunition for like the last 18 months of the war or whatever. Mm. And he goes out to flee and there's a scene on a train line and he's about to get into his car and they give him this letter that they've written and they're all gathered around him, all these people that he's saved. They give him this letter that they've written about what he's done and they've all signed it. And then they give him this ring they've had made and they've had this... Um, uh, line from the Talmud inscribed on it uh, that says, I think it says, to save one life is to save the world entire. I think that's what it says. Mm. Um, and obviously that's that's really moving. And then he, he breaks down and starts crying and sobbing and saying, you know, he could have saved more people. He only saved, you know, 1,100 or whatever. Uh, he could have saved more, he could have done more, he should have done more, and he's just sobbing, and they're trying to console him. And that was the point in the movie, like, I'd been upset for that entire film, like, I had physical reactions to some scenes early on where I was just shouting at my TV and swearing, because mm. it was just so awful to see. But that was the point where I just, I did, I broke down, I started crying along, because it was just, just mm. so, it's this point in the movie where everything you've witnessed so far it's almost like the movie gives you permission to have an emotional response, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, and I read a review that criticised that scene for being too maudlin, and I was like, you missed the point of the entire oh, thing, God. if that's what you think. If you come out of that yeah. movie thinking it was unnecessary to show Oscar Schindler breaking down at the end, then you missed the point of everything that that film is trying to do and you are you should resign as a film critic i don't remember who said that but i just couldn't yeah couldn't believe that and then mm. there's this and then there's a bit right at the very end where it trans it because the whole film's in black and white there's a bit at the end yeah. where it goes back into color and it shows the real people alongside the actors that played them in the film going mm. to the grave of the real oscar schindler and laying stones on his grave which is a jewish tradition mm. and the text on the screen explains that there's it, back in 1993 when the movie was made, I don't remember the exact numbers, but there's something like less than 4,000 Jewish people still in Poland um, as survivors of the Holocaust, but there are like 6,000 descendants of the Schindler Jews that he rescued, if you if you see what I mean. I don't remember yeah. if those are the exact numbers, but it's kind of saying, you know, he did so much more than he realised. And obviously it, it seems in, so insignificant in comparison to the... Six million yeah. that were murdered, but I think that that yeah. phrase they have written on that ring um, is a really important part of the film to show that you know even though it's it seems so insignificant, it's so important to show that people can change the yeah. world by you know doing what they think is right at the time and stuff like that. Mm. So yeah, it's a it's a brilliant movie. It really really moved me. It it, it feels silly to talk about it as a film it's it, it's more than a film steven spielberg has never accepted any money for making it um he's always had all the funds forwarded to the shower foundation who deal in genocide um yeah you know helping people who've experienced genocide and things and yeah and 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 ralph fine's performance i think it was nominated for an oscar rightfully so it is it is 
it sticks in your mind as a particularly yeah. unpleasant person and it helps to it makes those sequences in the prison camp work because you have someone you can kind of center your anger on and it's him and it it's yeah it's it's a great film so thank you yeah. for making me finally watch it <laughs> yeah he's he's amazing in it and he just i don't know you could do it, you could do it over the top but he didn't he was just just despicable just to look yeah, at him yeah just quietly just... unpleasant like yeah. a spoiled fat boy yeah 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 yeah. And just, just yeah. I don't know, and just in thinking that he was a real person and thinking and being in that position of thinking that you are superior than someone and through what you're doing to that person. I just, I, just you have no soul, you have no empathy, no nothing. You're just, yeah. just utter, ah, uh, and he did it really well. He, I, I don't think it's an easy job to be, to, to portray such a horrible person no no and he he did it amazingly and i don't know how he felt about it but yeah yeah i think it's i mean it's an amazing performance it definitely i think it helped his career a lot um, yeah having having done that movie and given that performance but I'm, I'm glad you watched it and i'm glad um you um experienced it <laughs> yeah 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 <sighs> So, what happened when you tried to watch Friday the okay, 13th, so part you four? told me to watch <laughs> Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it, it, uh, first of all, it was a... Bl- I don't know why it was such an ordeal to find it. <laughs> and I could not find it for the love... Uh, it was just It was just everywhere. There was chapter nine. And I thought I thought I was supposed to watch the final chapter, and that was chapter four. There was chapter one. There was all. There was everything, but not that. And then I found it somewhere that would not play on the a device I bought it on. Oh, it was it was an audio. So it's already then I was just like, uh. but then so <laughs> maybe watch Friday the Thirteenth, the final four part four, the final chapter, which is not the final chapter. It's upsetting. That's already upsetting, and it's about. Well, about Jason coming back from the dead. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, and so when I texted you, so um, just to kind of... So I, I watched the first 10 minutes and it was just... Maybe, no, maybe it was five. And it was gore after gore after cutting after thing. After this, well, and I was like, I cannot wait a second. Let me finish. I'm setting okay, the scene, okay. George. Okay, okay, okay. So it was, uh, and I, I realized at that point that maybe it's not I don't like horror films. I really don't like gore. There is something about a knife to naked skin that makes me really sick. Mm. There's something about a knife to a, a neck. I just can't deal with it. Uh, penetration of things, blood, brain. I just can't. It just makes me really. It's interesting because, oh. what like you watch zombie movies, right? And they can be really gory. But it. I don't know why these are different. Slasher yeah. films are different. I don't okay. know why. I don't know. I, I maybe because maybe because in my in my head, zombies are not real. So mm. it's just definitely not a real thing. But. 
But somebody okay. coming to your house and slashing you is, could, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I was just, and then I texted you and I was like, George, do I have to watch an hour and a half of this? Because I already feel physically sick because I did feel physically sick. I didn't, I was just like, oh. But the no. thing, because it, it, it open it almost opens with a previously on thing, doesn't it? Where it's like, this is everything yes. that's happened so far. Yeah, but yeah. they showed every, every single gory thing that's happened in the previous four films for five minutes. I was like, whoa, stop. No, I don't want to see this. And then I texted you and you were like, well, you made me watch three hours of Shinder's List. Like, yeah, but, you know, I feel physically not good about this. But haven't you seen, not to to defend it at all, because if you you didn't like it, you didn't like it and all that. But, I mean, you've also watched Scream, right? Like, it's not your first experience with a slasher movie. No, but I don't know. I'm old. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's not the first experience of a slasher movie, but I don't really watch slasher movies. And I watched Scream when I was 14 or something. So that was like a good 20 years ago. So I haven't watched... Well, I watched uh, The Chainsaw Massacre, which is definitely less gory. Well, uh, there's actually nothing on screen in The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Exactly, exactly. I don't mind that. But yeah, so the first five minutes for me was distressing. And I I sent you a distress call. And you were like, Alex, meh. Fine. But, so I carried but, but on watching. I, I did I did then text you again just so everyone knows and say that it was okay <laughs> if you wanted to stop watching it. Don't paint me yeah, as like did. some kind of person. Just Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't paint. No, you did text paint. me and say um you you don't have to um watch it all if you don't feel like it. But I I did decide then I was like oh, I'm just going to go with the flow and see what happens and um, well, uh, the, the, the first five minutes are, I think it was the, the gore, 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 gore that really kind of, I was just, I don't know. But then yeah, after, I can, a while, no, I understand that. after a while, it's kind of like more kind of like no gore, gore, no gore, 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 no gore. You know, it's just kind of like more. Yeah, it, it spreads it <laughs> spread. out. Yeah, it spreads it out. Uh, so yeah, so, um. Uh, Jason comes back. I think he kills a group of kids at the beginning. Possum. So the kid, what, what did I understand? The guy that was talking at the beginning um, with a group of kids, does Jason go there and kill him? Kill no, them? I think that they're just ah, okay, totally fine. unconnected so, I, to anything. I don't think okay. they've got anything to do with anything. Okay, because that really confused me. I was like, did they kill yeah. Jason? Who killed Jason? What? I don't understand. But yeah, uh, so uh, Jason apparently oh, he's is in the dead. morgue. Yeah. Yeah, they take him to the morgue. And then, and then the, the beauty about this film is just, <laughs> apart from the family that lives in the cabin in the woods, everybody's pretty hateful. So you don't really care if they're going to die. Yeah, no, that's what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so like they're in the morgue, and the guy in the morgue is an absolute douche ass back it's just terrible guy and he's eating eating this sandwich and then putting the sandwich on top of the corpse yeah yeah uh yeah um and uh yeah Uh, and then uh, jason comes back and he kills everybody in the morgue that's pretty exciting it was just for me it was just a gore i was like no please yeah that's fair it's just, just like, oh no! Uh, but then, yeah, you have the group of kids that come, that drive in the car. Most of them pretty hateful. So you go, yeah, I don't mind if you die; you all die, but please don't show me dying. 
Um... <laughs> but notably, yeah. and the reason that I told you to watch this one, one of them is played by Crispin Glover. Hmm? Crispin Glover played... Have you seen Back to the Future? Yeah. Yeah, he plays George McFly. He plays um, Marty's dad in the first Back to the Future movie. What's his name? Crispin Glover. Crispin? Crispin, 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 like Crisp, Crispin, Crispies, Crispin, yes, Crispin, Glover, Glover, ah, yeah, 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 yes, yes, I was like, I know that guy, yeah, um, yeah. he, he has and a, then da- also he, there's a dance the scene from... with him in this movie that's great, yeah, and then there's also the kid from uh, Stand By Me, yeah, Corey Feldman, yeah, who's, Tommy uh, Jarvis, yeah, yeah. So, um, but um, well, I wrote some notes actually. Okay, I watched it this week, by the way. Just so you you know, I rewatched it. Like, um, oh, where are my notes? <gasps> ah, yeah, yeah. So I put gory, bloody, cutty, <laughs> gory, bloody, cutty. I do. I definitely don't like gore. I, I don't. It just. I don't know. I don't like it. Um, the acting in these things are always, always kind of like not really great is it no because in i mean back in the 80s when they're making these movies they were casting young people more for yeah. what they looked like than their ability to act except yeah. for crispin yeah. glover yeah but yeah so he and also he kills during the day which is interesting yeah not many, yeah not many serial killers kill during the day and um and does he does he just kill for the sake of killing like he doesn't yeah, I mean, really it's just a... it's his it's his um it's his uh lake and his summer camps area, and if anyone else goes to it, he'll kill them. Do you think I should have watched the first one to understand oh, no, a little bit no, better? No, you're not. You're not like genuinely. You're not missing any. Like, there's no. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I, you know, as a, as a, as a horror, I thought it was, you know, it was it was good. It it, it did what it had to do. It slashed. There were tits. There were yeah. sexual. There were like loose girls. Yeah. Uh, there were like there's a, uh, there's a horny great bit boys. where someone gets thrown out of a window and lands on a car. That stunt is yes. great. Yes, yes, yes. The way he kills people is pretty. You know, um, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of gore, um, but there's a lot of times where you go, just go away, lock yourself somewhere, like. <laughs> Just running <laughs> around in, in circles, be- screaming. Oh my god! When they're in the bedroom and they put this like flimsy. <laughs> <laughs> wardrobe in front of the door like put the entire room in front of the door <laughs> just put some like piece of cardboard and then and then she throws a computer at him and he's not dead and then she tries to pass him kill him just throw everything you can possibly do instead of she goes oh, i'm gonna go around and then yeah. yeah um and then yeah the kid is pretty intense there's a very weird a... scene where the kid is in his bed because Corey Feldman's like what nine or something in this movie. He's yeah, he's in his bed, and through his window he can see two teenagers making out. And he, the way he responds is by like yelping and jumping around on his bed. Yeah. It's such an odd moment. I love, I love that one. one. I love that Friday the Thirteenth movie in particular because it's full of weird, strange choices. Like, why yeah. does that horrible guy find that like Victorian era porn movie? <laughs> It just doesn't make sense. It's so no. bizarre. And also like the fact that, you know, there's a couple and this girl goes, well, I'm going to I'm going to sleep with this guy. And he goes, OK, you know, it's just we- it's just <laughs> full of weird stuff. And it's so random. 
And then he arrives and then tries to kill everybody. And then where's the mother? Where did the mother disappear? There's a whole, I mean, I, I don't remember the ins and outs of it, but there's a whole, like, there's a whole load of deleted stuff to do with the mother um, and, like, them finding her body in a bath, I think, and her being a dream sequence. There's, like, they cut a bunch of stuff out of the film, basically, um, which is why, why she just she just vanishes from the movie, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's Bad editing. Weird. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. And also, there's... I, I really... One thing that really I don't like in horror films is when there's yeah. the shower scene. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, like when you're naked and having a shower, yeah. you're the most vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when that happens, I was like, no, I don't want to see this guy just getting, like, stabbed in the shower. But then he doesn't really get stabbed. He just gets, like... No, I don't know. Tid, <laughs> it just goes bomb. <laughs> He's such an unlikely serial killer, isn't he? He's just like this big gorilla going around going, and just killing everybody as he pleases. But then I don't know. Yeah, and then he's is ve- everywhere. He's very agile, this Jason guy, isn't he? Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing because like it's almost like he can teleport around in a way. Like, is he supernatural yeah. or not? The reboot um, that they did in, like, I think 2009, they did a remake that um, sort of does the story of one, two, and three all in one movie, which kind of tells you how little story there is in these films that they were able to condense three movies (laughs) to one movie when they did a reboot. Um, But that movie kind of makes out that he's dug loads of tunnels all over the the camp. Ah, okay. And he goes underground and... And that's a level of explanation that's not needed. He's just able to... Yeah. Pop up. Like, eventually he gets actually murdered. He rises up. There's one movie where, like, all his overalls are torn and you can see his skeleton underneath and stuff. He's, he basically becomes a zombie at one point. Uh, and then he takes Manhattan and then he fights Freddy. It's it's good stuff. And then he goes to space. Jason X is set in the future in space. Uh, he kills someone by dunking their head into, like, a big pool of liquid nitrogen and smashing it. Pretty, pretty good stuff. <laughs> Sounds amazing, George. But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was enjoyable. It wasn't enjoyable, actually. It was okay. <laughs> was it? In, but it must have been like, interesting. I would to have, I would see. have liked to watch it with you. I think I would have enjoyed it more if I watched it with you. But instead, possibly, yeah. But I is, are you it by glad you've seen a movie with Jason in because he's such a kind of iconic pop culture? I think thing. so. Yeah, I'm glad I watched a Friday of the Thirteenth because it's one of those films that I would never watch ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> don't do it again, please. <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll be careful. I mean, I'm not good this week. That's there's no chance of <laughs> happening. No, no. But I, 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 I don't know. I just, I just something about cutting people cutting other people like when you were talking about uh the human centipede last week i was just like oh i don't know oh i mean don't do, do, never ever watch that you would not no you would not like really that like, movie no no i can't i just no there's a whole like there's a whole world of like french extreme cinema that's cut off for you that's so good it's it's sad this is not sad it is sad. It is You'll never sad. get to enjoy uh, Martyrs. You'll definitely never watch Martyrs. That movie's Martyrs. horrible. Martyrs is a it's a French it's a brilliant, it's a really it's like a five star masterpiece horror film, but it's it's the most difficult time I've ever had sitting for a film. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad I watched it. Not a fan of gore. Uh but yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, the choices that people made in those film in that film were all wrong. Like, oh yeah, but that's part of the film. But yeah, you meet a hitchhiker 
and then you go oh if you, if you don't want to stay outside uh you can come you can come and sleep in the house the door is always open oh that guy he yeah that's that to weird. a complete stranger <laughs> yeah yeah but he's he's a he's a handsome hunk yeah but no yeah. no because there is there's an oh, earlier yeah. hitchhiker who's not a handsome hunk she's like a lady that's that's the movie says isn't attractive and they just shout obscenities that's at the her. other thing that was just like that's a horror that's kind of, that's pretty horrible that bit I, I don't like that the way they treat that character she's only in it for a second but it's yeah pretty gross yeah hmm. but yeah thank you for making me watch a friday the 13th chapter four the final chapter not the final chapter yeah not the final chapter but my favorite. And then does something happen with the kid because he looks at the camera and he looks all evil? Is he the reincarnation uh, or something? No, there's a whole like um, <laughs> the next movie is called Friday the 13th Part Five: A New Beginning, I think, and oh, okay. it's set when like suddenly he's an adult, <laughs> and um, that that movie wants to make you think that he's become Jason, and then. He's it's that's not the story. They kind of like they set him up as a really interesting character that could have gone forward into other movies, but then Corey Feldman became such a huge child star that they would no, there was no way they could afford to have him in a movie again. So he does like a little cameo at the start of part five, and then suddenly his character is an adult who has like has to go and live in like a kind of weird mental health hospital in the middle of the woods. It's not a very okay. part five is awful. Um, okay. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But yeah. yeah, because part four was a, a masterpiece. Oh, it's, I, I like part four <laughs> quite a lot. It's got a lot of weirdness, fun 80s nonsense in it. It's it's my favourite yeah. of the early films. But yeah. Okay. Um, should we get into our top five? Yeah, let's get into our top five. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. Well, this week we're doing top five Walt Disney Animation Studios movies. Yes. So they generally number them. There's a, there's a list of them on the internet. There's about 60 of them in total, I think. They've done a lot since the 40s. They started with Snow White. Now, we've already yeah. done top five animated movies in the past, and we both have listed some films that are Walt Disney films in that list. Now, mine was Mulan and just before I do my list, it goes about saying that sort of Mulan is up there with all of these films I'm going to talk about today, but I've left it off my list today to give a room's films room to breathe. How have you approached it, Alex? <laughs> you know how I approached it. Well, with I don't know panic. what final decision you made. <laughs> with panic, texting. I'm I don't know panic. why you were I... panicking so much. Hmm? I don't know why you panicked so much about it. How long have you known me for? <laughs> So you've left off, like, what oh, did yeah, you Oh, have... yeah, Alex. Yeah, like, it's all like Alex comes with, like, oh, Alex, oh, yeah, you know, that cool, collected, kind of calm kind of lady. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you thought so that. Then it's fair to say that Moana, <laughs> what what films did you have on your on, on the first list we did? Moana, uh, Moana Hercules. Uh, Robin Hood and Robin Hercules Hood. Yeah. Um, are not on this list because they're but, already up there. But say they're already up there with with the films you're going to talk about today, yeah. Yes. Cool. I had a great time putting this list together this week. Um, you 
did you? I, I really enjoyed it. I watched a couple of movies um, kind of in, in anticipation of it and stuff, and that kind of altered my ordering a bit and things. And it was just, I, I enjoyed kind of living in Disney for a week. How did you, what did you, how did you find it? It's stressful, it seems. <laughs> no, totally no? fine. Calm cool. as a cucumber. Calm as cool a cucumber. As a, cool Good. as a lava pod. That's how it should lamp. be, because this is all for fun. No, no. Um, yeah, no, I enjoyed it because I uh, revisited uh, some films. Um, didn't watch them all, but I watched like kind of parts of it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was good. Nice. It was good, yeah. Um, and I've got a game. Oh, actually, I've got a game for you that we'll do later. I've got a quiz. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, exciting. But we'll start with my number five pick, which is one of my favourites when I was a young boy. Uh, one of the older Disney films. It is... The Jungle Book. Ooh. Yeah. I like. Do you? Is it yeah. on your list? No. Interesting. But you've seen it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's the I story... even like the film. I thought the film was pretty good as well. Oh, the live action one? Yeah. Yeah, I actually quite liked that. Yeah. I thought they did a I good, thought that was good, good job. Yeah, not yeah. as good as the original. 1967, the original one came out. Yes. Um, I think it might have been one of the last. Uh, yeah, it was the last one uh, that that Walt Disney produced himself. He died while it was while it was being made. Oh, yeah. Um, follows the story of Mowgli, a, a child who's been raised in the jungle by wolves, and he meet teams up with Bagheera, who is a panther, and Baloo the bear, uh, to try and rescue him from Shere Khan, who's afraid of men and is determined to kill the man cub. And uh, it's just a great Disney film. It's got brilliant yeah. songs. I mean, I Want to Be Like You, Ooh, 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 is one of the all-time best Disney songs ever by King yeah. Louie. It's got great action. It's got a genuinely pretty scary villain uh, in Shere Khan, who's who's yes. who's fantastic. The scene at the end where he's got um, he's chasing Mowgli and everything's on fire. Genuinely scary. And it's funny, like Baloo is a very funny character. The Bear Necessities song is good. Uh, the scene with Car, there's a snake that kind of hypnotizes Mowgli. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a great film. It's a really good film. It's one of those classic Disney movies that's enjoyable for its relatively short runtime of 78 minutes. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I really love it. I love The Jungle Book. Yeah, no, it's good. Good, good choice. Yeah, and colorful as and well. I it's really colorful. Mm? It's really colorful. <clears throat> yeah 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 and fun it's just really fun mm. yeah. good yeah. choice thank you what's You're your welcome. number five my number five is um more recent than yours and is a 1989 uh the little mermaid the little tiny little mermaid Mermaid. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, The Little Mermaid was uh, made in 1989. Um, uh, it's uh, the story about Ariel, who is the princess, is a mermaid princess uh, who uh, falls in love with uh, a guy. Well, she wants to kind of live uh, out of the water. Uh, she's got this uh, fun friend uh, who is... Um, a seagull called Scuttle that tells her kind of some weird stories about uh, the human world. 
one of my favorite scenes is when she gets this fork. <laughs> she tries to Oh, she just a comb, doesn't brush she? Brush her hair, comb her oh. hair with this fork. And uh, but her dad is uh, really protective and doesn't really want her to uh, go near the water. Uh, one day she rescues this beautiful prince, Prince Eric, and uh, she sings to him. And he falls in love with her. She falls in love with him. Uh, but, uh, you know, Triton, the dad, is not very, it's his name, King Triton, is not very happy about it. And no. tells her that she can't go near the surface. But mm. then Ursula, this evil, evil lady, I used to be terrified of her, but also quite fascinating because she's quite charming, isn't she? Like this charming, sexy villain, I feel, mm. Ursula. Yeah, she's a, she's a good, she's a strong villain. Yeah, she says to Ariel that she can she can have legs and go and live with Eric, but she has to give her her voice. <gasps> but yeah, uh, yeah, and so she does that, and uh, but Eric doesn't recognize Ariel because you only recognize her by the voice, which is ridiculous. But <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, but then you know, uh, Ursula turns up with Ariel's voice. Bam bam. That's a good episode of uh, the Young and the Restless. Okay. Eric falls in love. <laughs> um, Eric falls in love with Ursula, uh, but then, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then it they live happily ever after. But you know, I I love the Little Mermaid. Uh, that was my favorite cartoon for the longest time. I, mm. you know, my parents probably hated me. You know, when you watch a cartoon, yeah, 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 probably a hundred times. And your parents go, you want to watch a Little Mermaid again? <laughs> are you sure um, you want to watch a Little Mermaid again? Are you you've sure? Seen it before. Like, you know, you've got the Lion you know King, happens. you've got something else. Um, but no, I loved it. And I think the the songs are great. You know, Under the Sea is like Disney classic, beautiful. Um, and, uh, you know, Kiss the Girl when uh, they're trying to get Eric to kiss the girl. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say that Eric. Um, has to kiss her in order for her to get her voice back, fall in love with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, your classic, it's your classic curse that's broken by it's true love's kiss. It's a classic, you know, maybe not correct, maybe you should not rely on a man or something, but I love that cartoon and I still love it. Love it. And it's yeah. a classic and kids still know about The Little Mermaid and there's oh, still yeah, no still under the one. sea. Yeah. I've only, I've only seen I, it once, I think, but it is good. Oh. And when I watched, when I went to uh, Tokyo Disney to um, for the first time, uh, there is the uh, Little Mermaid area, and I I was in tears. I was just like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. This is a beautiful place to be. Nice. Number five, Little Mermaid. I like it. Good pick. Thank all you. Right. Don't say you've seen it once. Have you seen it? You've probably seen all of mine. We've probably seen each other's. Not necessarily. We'll we'll, we'll get we'll uh -huh. cross that bridge when when we come to it. Um, okay. Yeah, my number four pick is uh, a relatively, a pretty recent Disney movie from only a handful of years ago. Let me see when it came out here. 2018's, yeah. It's 2018's Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh, awesome. Yeah, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph. Have you seen Ralph Breaks the Internet? I have not seen either. You haven't seen Wreck-It Ralph? No. Oh, okay. I've not so, seen Wreck-It Ralph. So Wreck-It Ralph is uh, a film that came out, I think, 2011, maybe? 
Uh, it's about a. It's set in a video game arcade. The main character is a bad guy in a, an old game called Fix It Felix Jr. And it's kind of a Mario parody and Wreck-It Ralph is sort of meant to be Donkey Kong. And he discovers one day that he doesn't necessarily have to be the bad guy. And I don't, I've only watched that film once actually. Um, but he ultimately ends up becoming friends with a character called Vanellope, who's that film's version mm. of a Disney princess. And she's like a kind of racer in a Mario Kart type game, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Mm. So the sequel set six years later, uh, mm. Ralph and Vanellope have settled into a relatively normal life of being in their games during the day and then hanging out in the evening and, in, and being best friends. And one day, the a new get uh, they think a new game is about to be plugged into the. Uh, it's quite good. They all hang out in the evening in like the inside of an extension cable, as, as if they've mm. all gone through the wires of their machines into like the the plugs. If you see what I mean, and mm. they think a new game is about to be plugged in, mm. and in fact, it is a Wi-Fi router being plugged in, and. Mm. Due to some misadventures, uh, Ralph causes the steering wheel on Vanellope's game to be broken in the real world, and the owner of the arcade is going to turn the game off because it's too expensive to get a new steering wheel for it. So they decide, they hear him talking about how you can buy one on eBay, but it costs too much money. So they decide to go into the internet and go to eBay to get the steering wheel. And therein hilarity ensues. And it's full of... It's one of those movies that is full of references to other things because they go into the internet and immediately there's like a skyscraper that's the Google skyscraper and mm. there's a forest full of trees of little birds tweeting all over it, little bluebirds mm-hmm. um, and stuff like this. And eBay is presented as this a just giant auction hall with thousands of people being like, any bids, any bids, can I get a bid, can I get a bid on this? And it's the, the things they show being sold are really funny. Mm. Um, and yeah, and yeah, it's ultimately, it. what I love about it what I love about Ralph Breaks the Internet and what makes me think it's better than Wreck-It Ralph is it's a film that's about friendship and it's about best friends mm. and it's about coming to when you come to terms with the fact that you're, you and your best friend maybe don't have the same exact interests and ambitions, but it doesn't mean you can't still be best friends, if you see what I mean. And it kind of is all about testing friendship and looking at stuff like that. And I, I kind of really oh. like that kind of journey. It's not about romance or anything like that. It's about something mm. more simple and and lovely. And uh, it's just it's really funny. Gal Gadot is in it. Uh, they go into like this. Oh. Uh, yeah, they go into this online racing game that's like a kind of parody of Grand Theft Auto. And she plays a character called Shank, who's basically it's like she's playing the character she plays in the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, and she mm. sort of takes Vanellope under her wing a bit, and that's really good. Uh, what else do I like in it? Oh, there's an amazing sequence where, for story-related reasons, Vanellope ends up in a Disney fan website-type place, and she goes into a room where all of the Disney princesses are in this room, like all of them, like Mulan, Ariel, mm. like every Disney princess is in there, all of them voiced by the same voice actresses that voiced them originally, in the where in the okay. cases where they're, they're alive, if you see what I mean. Obviously, like oh, wow. Snow White's voice actress isn't around anymore and stuff, but all the more recent mm. Disney princesses are voiced by the voice actress that voiced them originally. And there's some really funny stuff. Like you just said there, there's some funny stuff about her, like... Um, they're trying to work out if Vanellope's a princess as well, and they're like, "Did did everyone think that a man had to come and solve your problems for you?" Like jokes like that and stuff. And it's, <laughs> it's pretty. The stuff with the Disney princesses is brilliant. It's very fan servicey, but I really really like it. I think it's really funny Aww. and uh, and um, 
there's a bit they're all dressed in like their their gowns and stuff that you'd normally expect to see them dressed in and then Vanellope because she's a gamer character she's just wears a hoodie and they all decide mm. to get clothes like her and then just seeing they all wear t-shirts with different things re- written on them that are references to their movies and that's really funny it's great it's really good Ralph breaks the internet I think it's one of the less seen I mean they're all big movies obviously because they're Disney films other than another one on my list which is like the most unseen Disney film I think um <laughs> But like this film, I feel like, like you said, you haven't seen either of them. It, they kind no. of, they are overshadowed a bit by the Frozens and the Moanas that have come out around the same time. Mm, um, yeah. And I would say to give it a chance. I think it's wonderful. I really like it. Yeah. What's your number cool. four? My number four is uh, another one that I've seen like 150,000 times and I still love <laughs> And it's like it's like a really um short one, and it, nothing really happens because I watched it recently as well, and it's just kind of I didn't realize how unintricate the story is. It's like really like this happens, this happens, this happens, end. Right. Um, and it's uh, the ninety. I need to find the date. Where are you? Oh yeah, the nineteen sixty three. The sword in the stone. Okay. Yeah. This is this is like my total nostalgia pick, uh, but I I still, although like watching as an adult, I was like this film is just <laughs> like a lot of stuff happens and you don't really know why. But I really I really loved it and it just brought some really good memories to it and I I love kind of like the King Arthur and the legend of it and uh, and you know coming to England we always used to go to kind of. Glastonbury and my mum used to talk about King Arthur and Merlin and all these things and I don't know I just loved it and, and I really liked this cartoon and what is the Sword of the Stone which is about um uh what's his name uh, Arthur Uther Pendragon dies and he hasn't got any um um descendants is that what it is no no heir to the throne yeah and yeah, yeah. he puts um he, he puts us well the sword appears in a stone and uh whoever takes the stone out uh becomes king and it's not really accurate to the legend <laughs> this uh but um no. i <laughs> i i really i really liked it and i um i just thought it was really like magical and interesting and um when i don't know my favorite scenes are when they transform when um uh, merlin and arthur uh transform transform themselves into other animals i always loved those scenes as a kid and mm. even now i'm like oh that's so that's so nice and um i don't know what the name is we call him magamago and i'm trying to find the name in english madam mim madam mim I always loved Madame Mim and uh, there's a scene where she puts her hair in front of her face and then she opens it and she's a pig. I like, I don't know, it's something that me and my sister used to do all the time. <laughs> just to kind of like put all her hair in front of her face and just like, I don't know, it's got it's got such good memories, this film. And uh, well, it's it's random, but I I... I think it's a good film for kids because I think it's so random and it's so like the scenes are so short that it kind of keeps your attention as a kid. Mm. I think that's what's really well done. And um it's um there are no there are no songs I don't think in it. 
can't remember. No, not nothing. But yeah, I there's, just, there's only I one song in uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Is there? Yeah, sometimes it's weird, isn't it? It feels like they should all be musicals, but that, but yeah, not. yeah, yeah. But no, it's good. I like it, and uh, it uh, it uh, it ticked the boxes for me for like King Arthur and what I should know about it at the time. And then yeah, it's good. T- it's good stuff. Yeah. Sword in the Stone. What's so, your number three? So my number three is, a, again, it's a recent one, but it doesn't feel like a recent one. It's kind of like a nostalgia pick because it sort of takes something from my childhood and makes like the kind of ultimate perfect version of it, if you see what I mean. And it is, I think, one of the most unsuccessful Disney movies ever released. Like This is a proper Walt Disney Studios movie. Yet I think when it came out, it went to number six in the charts in America at the box office and made some tiny amount of money, like $7 million. When you think about Moana and Frozen and stuff like that, Mm. it's so... It's forgotten and unseen, and I think it should be, because I think it's a wonderful masterpiece. It is 2011's Mm. Winnie the Pooh. Oh! (laughs) Okay. Um, I just adore the hell out of Winnie the Pooh and his various little mates. I used to love Winnie the Pooh when I was growing up. Winnie the Pooh and yeah. the Blustery Day was one of my favourite cartoons. And I just love him. I love his voice. I, he likes honey. He's a bear with very little brain. I just love all the little turns of phrase that, that you have in Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way to get words wrong. And I just I just love Winnie the Pooh. And this movie is just like they decided, it's like they decided they just wanted to make the ultimate true to the original story's version of of a Winnie the Pooh movie because it's like it's barely mm. an hour long like the credits are rolling before you hit the hour mark um it opens with a camera going for a live action bedroom as John Cleese narrates uh, John Cleese is the narrator in this movie kind of narrates that this is Christopher Robin's bedroom and here are all his stuffed animals that he likes to play with and then it kind of transitions into into Winnie the Pooh and it has all these points where you see like the scene but then you can see the book and the words around the scene you're looking at um, as as John Cleese kind of reads out what's on the page and then the characters at different points kind of interact with the actual pages in the book and things, which is really cool. Mm. And um, it's just a story about he wakes up one morning, uh, he's, out, he's run out of honey, he goes out to find some honey and he finds Eeyore, whose tail has gone missing, and <laughs> they have to find Eeyore's tail. And that's the plot of the film, is that Eeyore's lost his tail. Aww. Where is Eeyore's tail? We need to find it. And they get they get sidetracked by various things, including a point where Christopher Robin has to leave for a bit. He writes him a note saying he'll be back soon. Winnie the Pooh finds this note and doesn't understand it, so he takes it to Owl, the wise owl, to explain it. Owl misreads it and thinks that it's a ransom note because Christopher Robin's being kidnapped by a monster called a Baxon. And then they <laughs> sing this song about what the Baxon might be like. It's and it's just glorious. It's so good and funny. He's got a there's a, yeah, it's great. Have you seen it? No. No, no, I, no I didn't. Seen it. I re- I found out today that it was uh, a Disney film. I didn't realize that they made that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They made Win. That, there's one from like there's there's a much older Winnie the Pooh movie called like Winnie the. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's sort yeah. of a collection of stories, and that's a Disney movie as well. But I just something about this more recent one. The animation is crisp and clean, but true to the original animation, mm. and it's just great. It's just great. It's the kind of movie you wouldn't necessarily expect to come out mm. now like for 2011 like it says as of 2021 it's disney's most recent traditionally animated theatrical film like since mm. since this movie they've been making cgi movies and ralph bakes internet is one of them and i love it as as moana and frozen and they're good at that but there's something about this movie 
that is a bit of a throwback and is glorious and wonderful. So yeah, Winnie the Pooh. No one has seen it. Awesome. If you've got Disney Plus, go and watch it. It's great. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it. Definitely. I love Winnie the Pooh. Who doesn't? Okay. <laughs> What's your number three? Cool. My number three is uh, 2002 Lilo and Stitch. <gasps> okay, before you start, I haven't seen this film. No, you haven't? Nope. Oh, um. So, uh, I, Lilo and Stitch is, um, it, it involves uh, like two, uh, two main characters, which are a six-year-old Hawaiian girl, Lilo, and who is being raised by her older sister because uh, their parents have died. So that's already kind of like pretty, you know, hot clenching. Yeah. And, um, and this extraterrestrial uh, kind of creature called uh, at the end. Well, his name is Experiment Six Two Six, but uh, nice. um, but then he's adopted by um, uh, by Lilo, uh, who then has a dog, <laughs> and she calls him Stitch. And uh, so uh, Stitch is an extraterrestrial uh, being and he's been um, engineered by this mad scientist uh, because uh, they want to cause, uh, he wants to cause uh, this um, chaos and destruction. Uh, but then um, he escapes and then he meets this girl, Lilo, who also creates chaos and destruction <laughs> and she's not very... Uh, ladylike and she doesn't really fit in and nobody really likes her and uh it's just a story about two oddballs that get together and um you know uh become friends and they love each other and it's lovely there's music by elvis prisley which i love um <laughs> yeah it's amazing um i wasn't really a fan of elvis presley before this film and no, I'm I... not a fan of Elvis Presley now. So, that's yeah, fine. but if you watch it, it's really cute. It's really, really cute, and okay. um, it's lovely. I love Lilo and Stitch, and it's just a nice story of friendship, and and it's quite adulty. So I watched it when I was uh, seventeen because I watched it at the cinema, and I liked it because it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of, um, it wasn't as childish as other films may be. It's a bit mm. childish, but also not because it kind of uh, shows like adult themes and um, I love the music. And, yeah, it's good. Laid on stitch. Nice. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I don't know oh. why I've never watched it. I think, did it, when did it come out? 2002. So I'd have been, I'd have been 14. I was probably, it's probably mm. a, definitely a point where I was a bit like, I don't want to watch a new Disney movie. And then I just never got went back to it when I got a bit more mature, mm. if you see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this was the time <clears> that I went kind of back, and then I left again. And then you know when I started liking cartoons again, yeah, yeah. you're right. But yeah, it has good. I like it. Nice, good, 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 good. Okay, good. So my number two. Yeah. My number two is probably the most popular Disney movie on my list, and it's my favourite of the movies that were released when I was a child. It is 1992's Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of us have seen Aladdin. It's one of the big ones. It's it's yeah. it, you know, it's about a street boy called Aladdin. He falls in love with Princess Jasmine. How does he get a princess to fall in love to fall in love back? Well, 
mainly by going and finding a genie voiced by Robin Williams to do a load of impressions of different celebrities of the of the 1990s and uh, give him yeah. free wishes to allow him to become a prince prince ali and yeah and yeah and it's it's great it's got good songs it's got oh, it's got good songs it's got such good songs it's got one of the all-time great voice performances in the disney movie from robin williams of course who was who is just about as perfect as you can be in this movie um and it's got a really good villain jafar is a great villain and gilbert godfrey along yeah. with robin williams gilbert godfrey as uh, iago the parrot is also very funny in that movie and yeah jafar is is kind of intimidating and scary and terrifying and it's just a great film i loved it when i was a kid i love the way it opens with the guy uh telling the story um at the market stall and then it kind of transitions mm. into the film itself and it's just full of just wonderful songs the animation is great the scene in the cave of wonders or whatever it's called um, and mm. they were, when they're escaping on the flying carpet and all the treasures collapsing around them and the lava's coming up, it's it's really exciting. It's such a well-made action kind of sequence in, a, in, an, in an animated movie. So, yeah, I love, I love Aladdin. I love all the characters in it. I love the songs, mm. the music, the comedy. It's kind of your perfect package of stuff. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about yeah. Aladdin? I wasn't a fan, mainly <gasps> because I found... Well, well, really because I found, I found the scene with Jafar you know, when he gets really big, like terrifying. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Like, and I just, just, because that's another film I watched about, I don't know how many times, but it just, that see, I was always like really anxious about seeing that scene. So I kind of would watch the beginning. <laughs> it's quite scary when he turns into a genie and he's enormous. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. And I just, I don't know, I just... I was a bit, uh, for me, it was a, a bit too edgy, you know, even at the time, for me, that was a bit too... <laughs> I love that you're describing Aladdin as too edgy. <laughs> Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. but that I thought that scene was terrifying. I thought Jafar was terrifying. Jafar is terrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, was, I was actually scared of him. And so, for me, Aladdin was always like a bit of a... I didn't have the cassette. My cousin did. So every time we went to his house, we would watch the cassette. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, did, I didn't pick it. Cool. So it just reminded me a bit of Fantasia. You know, Fantasia is kind of scarier towards the end. Yeah, with uh, Chernobyl. And I always would find a like scene terrifying, and I, 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 I associated Aladdin like the last few scenes to that one, and I just didn't. I was a bit of a scary cat. Uh, do's. Have you seen the live action remake they did recently? Yeah, yeah, oh, I did. I didn't watch it. What's it like? Um, it's not too bad actually. Okay. If 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 Aladdin is your, because Aladdin is not one of my favorites. Yeah. I accepted it better, but I feel like if Aladdin is like one of your favorites, you probably won't like it. Okay, I could see that. Or I've maybe seen. You would I don't know. I've seen clips of Will Smith's scenes on YouTube and didn't wasn't massively impressed no he's definitely not robin williams but no 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 he's not he did his best and to fit to feel like robin williams shoes it's it's a big thing that is a big job yeah for sure um robin williams it's used to job. um ring up steven spielberg when he was making Shins list and do practice i think practice the seat the he would do comedy routines on the phone to Steven Spielberg to cheer him up because he found Schindler's oh. List so draining. And a lot of the routines oh. and stuff he did there became the things the genie 
said in Aladdin because it was around the same time. Amazing. Isn't that an odd little bit of yeah. synchronicity between those two projects? Mm. You, you wouldn't expect them to be connected, but um, mm. but yeah. But I think I think you should watch it. Just have an opinion because I I I think it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I probably will eventually. Yeah, I will. Mm. I will. What's mm. your number two? My number two is the very very famous, very very popular. Uh, 1992, I think. Let me have a look at here. 1991, Beauty and the Beast. Ah, uh, a beautiful film. Love, love the film. I was very cautious about the live action film. Love the live action film. Very good. Uh, but yeah, um, so well it's very famous uh this this uh witch uh gives uh offers a rose to this really like selfish and self-absorbed prince um for in um because she wants some shelter he refuses uh she and her she her the the witch to punish him uh, she transforms him into a beast and all of his servants into furniture or cutlery. <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, he will stay uh, this beast until somebody will fall in love with him, even looking as a beast. And um, uh, in a village uh, nearby Belle lives Belle, who... Um, uh, who has a suitor who's an absolute what what's a word for him uh, no um misogynist Gaston yeah he's a terrible man but she she doesn't she doesn't like him and uh her dad goes disappearing and uh uh she finds him in this castle where the beast is she trades herself she says, you know, she stays instead of the the dad, and then uh, slowly, slowly, they start falling in love. <gasps> it is beautiful. Mm. I love it. I love it. It's a beautiful film. The scene where they dance in the hall is iconic. It's amazing. Uh, all the characters are great. The music is fantastic. Um, it shows that you don't have to, you know. You can fall in love with a personality and not with the face. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was amazing and I still think it's amazing. And I, I, I really enjoy that film. I found that really terrifying as well. When she goes in the woods to get to the castle, I thought I was like, ah. yeah. Um, Disney is Disney are really good at making things were really good making things really scary for kids i feel i'm not sure if because i'm not a kid anymore i'm not sure if like they're still scary for kids as they were scary for me as a kid no i don't but, know if they're um, trying to do i don't know if they've worked out how to make things scary in computer animation the way they were able to mm. in traditional animation yet i'm, I'm thinking yeah, to their recent can... movies and i don't can't think of any of them that are genuinely scary but i don't because... know like the wreck it ralph movies aren't trying to be scary the frozen movies don't really do mm. that Moana doesn't really no, they're, no. They're, it's not really the vibe of them recently, is it? 
Yeah, but like those trees are terrifying. You know, when she's in the woods and there's everything and the castle is terrifying and it's, it's they're pretty scary moments when you have like a seven-year-old watching. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I really, really love it. I've, you've seen Beauty and the, Be- the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I didn't see it at the time, um, and I didn't see it for a long time. But I, did, I think I watched it when we lived in Japan one day. I did actually. I was really, really sick. It was. The, I think it was the only <laughs> time I had to stay off work. Um, yeah. And that was a whole that mess. But um, mm. I stayed at home because I was really ill, and I watched Beauty and the Beast for the first time. And it's brilliant. It's a really, really good film. I I agree. Good. I like it too. Thanks. What's your number one? My number one is um, sort of my nostalgia pick. And when I first, it was the first movie that I put on my list when I started doing the list. I was like, well, I've got to have that on it. But originally it was like mm. further down the list. And then I watched it today. I watched it this afternoon when I had lunch. And I was like, every single scene, I was like, I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. I love this bit. I love this bit. And it all just came flooding back to me. And I was like, do you know what? This is my number one. I really, really love it. It's definitely kind of the one that I watched over and over and over again when I was a kid. And it's like my nostalgia Mm. pick. And it is 1986's The Great Mouse Detective. Ah, cool. Have you seen it? Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... I just, and when I actually, it's weird because it's called The Great Mouse Detective, but the video I had, I'm certain it was called Basil the Great Mouse Detective. I, I've i seen it in Italian. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it was, I'm pretty sure it was like Basil something. Yeah. I like, th- like, I think it was called Basil the Great Mouse Detective when it came out on video. Yeah. But I think when it was originally released, it was just called The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, and there's a reason for mm. that, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. But. Yeah, I've always thought of it as Basil the Great Mouse Detective. It's a story of um, a young girl, Olivia. Is she called Olivia? Olivia Flavisham. A little Mm. girl mouse in London. And it's basically, Mm. it's like real London, full-size London, but there's all these tiny little mouse buildings all over the place. Um, And her dad is like a toy maker. And the film opens Mm. with this... If we're talking about Disney being scary, this bat in this movie is terrifying. Fidget, this peg-legged bat thing that's the henchman in this movie. Mm. The movie opens with him bursting into this toy shop and kidnapping this girl's dad. And then she's lost and alone and she finds Dr. Dawson, who Mm -hmm. takes him, who takes this girl to Basil, the mouse detective, who lives on Baker Street basically lives in like the basement of Sherlock Holmes's house because it's all a bit of a Sherlock Holmes riff and I love Sherlock Holmes so I'm always here for this I love detective stories and when she first goes into Basil's house you see all these different like detecting machines he's got he's got these shoes spinning around putting shoe prints on paper and all these different things and it start he when he turns up he's got this disguise on and then he shoots a gun into some pillows and analyzes the bullet to see if it matches this other bullet and it's all this cool detective stuff that i just really really love the voice acting is really great and it's got one of in my opinion the all-time underrated disney villains in rattigan this sewer rat king of crime he calls himself the napoleon of crime uh voiced by the the perfect and wonderful vincent price one of the all-time great horror movie actors voicing this uh character Mm. in this movie and he's great he's scary he sings this song 
And there's this bit when he's singing this song where one of his uh, henchmen accidentally refers to him as a rat. So he kicks him outside and rings this bell to call this cat that he has to come and eat this uh, henchman of his. And it's, it's again, it's scary stuff. Um, and yeah, I just, I really love this movie. What, have you seen it? What do you think of it? I, I, I've, I watched it when I was a much, uh, a long time ago, but like from what I remember of it, it was super fun, but it was, it was, it was scary. Yeah, yeah, it's scary. He's, the Rattigan's henchman is this bat called Fidget that kind of speaks and it's like, blah, 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 like that. <laughs> and it's just really terrifying. Uh, there's this scene where they're in... Basil and Dawson and Olivia have gone to this toy shop place on the hunt mm. and they've found all these um, sold toy soldiers of... Um, Buckingham Palace guards and they've noticed that all these mm. guards have had their uniforms taken which is relevant to the plot later and as Basil and Dr Dawson are discussing this Olivia wanders off to this pram and she looks in the pram and the bat has gotten into the pram and dressed up as a little baby and then just leaps out of this pram and grabs her and it is terrifying it scared me so much when I was a kid because uh, it just comes launching out of this pram going <laughs> it's like oh and it's great. It's so so mm. good. Um, so yeah, uh, and it kind of it kind of it was coming. It came out at a time when Disney animation movies had not really succeeded for a little while. The Black Cauldron came out the year before, which was a bit of a big flop, and it did really well. It got good reviews and made a, made decent money, and it kind of led the way to the Disney Renaissance of like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion mm. King. Like it sort of paved the way for those movies to come by mm. Walt Disney kind of. I think they were considering focusing less on animation because they thought that they'd sort of lost it a bit. And when this movie succeeded, mm. they were like, no, let's keep going. And then they put a bunch of projects on and stuff. And th those projects became, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, all of those films, which which are really popular. So it's kind of, they all owe a little bit of a debt, I think, to The Great Mouse Detective. But the interesting thing I found out today on um, Wikipedia was that the movie was originally meant to be called Basil of Baker Street, which is a better title. It's a cool, yeah, evocative title. But a movie came out the year before called Young Sherlock Holmes, which was a, and it, that was a live action film. Interestingly, it was the first movie to extensively use uh, CGI animation as well, which is interesting because uh, The Great Mouse Detective has a sequence set inside Big Ben at the end where they used CGI, and that was a, the first extensive use of CGI in an animated movie. So these two films have a link, mm. and they also have this CGI link. Anyway, Young Sherlock Holmes was a big flop. The Disney executives decided that they didn't want this movie to be too closely connected to Sherlock Holmes because they had this idea mm. then that Sherlock Holmes movies weren't going to be popular, if you see what I mean. So they rewrote this movie. They they retitled the film. And the filmmakers and the animators really didn't like that they'd done this. They really wanted it to be called Basil of Baker Street and not The Great Mass Detective. So one of the animators, Ed Gombert, wrote a satirical memo that went around Disney where he suggested other generic titles for older Disney movies that they could change it to, if you see what I mean. So see if you can um, get what film each of these titles is meant to be describing. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. The first one, some of these are great. The first one is Seven Little Men Help a Girl. <laughs> um, Snow White. Yeah. Seven Dwarves. Uh, then we've got The Wonderful Elephant Who Could Really Fly. Dumbo. Yep. The little deer who grew up. The little? The little deer who grew ah, up. Ah, Bambi. Yep. 
the girl with the see-through shoes. Oh, Cin- uh, Sleeping Beauty. No, Cinderella. What yeah. am I talking about? Cinderella. <laughs> I, did, I did the same thing. I was like, is it Sleeping? No, no, it's Cinderella. Cinderella. Yep. This is my this is my favorite one. This one's great. Two dogs fall in love. Oh, Lady and the Trump. <laughs> yeah. I just love to imagine that there might be a movie called Two Dogs Fall in Love. <laughs> <laughs> he was right though. Yeah. Um. And then there's two up. Puppies taken away. Uh, a hundred and one Dalmatians. Yeah. And then this one's really good as well. A boy, a bear, and a big black cat. Oh, the Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, apparently they thought that the name Basil, to call it Basil of Baker Street, they thought Basil was too English. So that's where they took this. Okay. Just, come on. Anyway, okay. uh, The Great Mouse Detective is a movie I adore. Similar to um, Winnie the Pooh and maybe Ralph Breaks the Internet, I feel like it's one of the slightly less uh, beloved Disney movies. So if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, Go and check it out. It it is a really really fun time, and it's again it's like an hour and ten minutes long. It's one of those shorter ones. So uh, yeah, all right. What's your number one? My uh, number one is it, is it two is, dogs fall uh, in love? Oh, I nearly put that one. I do love two <laughs> dogs fall in love. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, uh, mine. Uh, the, this one is is a uh, uh, big inflatable balloon saves lives. Big inflatable balloon saves lives. Uh, in far land. In far land. In far land. Um, I is it recent or old? Yeah, it's recent. Big inflatable balloon saves lives in far <laughs> land. Inflatable balloon with arms saves lives. Oh, Big Hero Six. Yeah, okay. my number one is Big Hero 6. Really? I love Big Hero 6. I watched wow. it for the first time maybe like a year ago. Okay. Uh, when I first got Disney Plus, I was like, I have to watch this film. And I think I watched another couple of times after that. Because I think it's, I really liked it. I, I think it's just like, like it's just, the evolution of Disney has arrived to this moment where I just like, although they don't do scary anymore, they do sad. And I was actually upset and cried in this film. And I felt like you, it could be really, really good for children and really good for adults as I'm an adult. And uh, yeah. And I just, I just love it. And um, boy, it's a story about, um, Hero, uh, a kid, uh, whiz kid, lives in San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco, um, which is uh, something you know, like some San Francisco and Tokyo. That's, um, the, that's the idea. And um, he he is very good at <laughs> robot fighting, uh, and uh, he's got a bigger brother uh, who is also a genius. But unfortunately, he um, stuff happens. That made me cry, <laughs> but yeah, his brother creates this uh, this um, big hero. Uh, well, this <clears throat> thing which is called Baymax. 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 Uh, he makes Baymax, who is uh, basically a care balloon that cares about you if you're not very well, mm. and it's perfect. It's Baymax is perfect, and you just 
how how they can make you really love something that hasn't got an expression is amazing, isn't it? Like this big inflatable balloon is just, you know, when he, it just you just feel for it and you don't know why. Yeah, it's yeah. just a robot, but he's not just a robot. But he hasn't got a face. But he has got a face. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, but yeah, um, tragedy happens and um, there is a big villain that they have to uh, defeat. Uh, and yeah, that's it really. And uh, it's beautiful. I love it. Mm. I love how they portray Tokyo and San Francisco. I love that it's a bit of both worlds. They combine the worlds really, really well. And it's something that I talked about even in um, uh, when I watched Detective Pikachu. I love when they create worlds that are the world that you know, but elevated in a different way. And I just love that. I love the animation. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I that's why I, was my, I put it as my number one. I yeah. was surprised too. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you've seen it, of course. Well, so I've <laughs> I've only seen it once, and I I didn't like it. Oh. I, but I've always felt like because my reaction to it was that it felt like a sort of uninspired pastiche of better superhero stories. Mm. Um, and that it wasn't doing anything new or interesting itself yeah. it was just sort of playing around with marvel stuff but the marvel movies exist. but i'm i'm saying that but i've i've always had this lingering feeling like i didn't give it a fair shot and mm. that i want to watch it again so it's kind of on my actually i actually had a list of movies that i wanted to watch for this episode to see whether they'd have a place and like winnie the pooh was one of those and ralph breaks internet one of those and so was big hero six but i didn't get back to it so i want to watch it again at some point to kind of give yeah. it another chance because i think i might have been unfair on it and i was just feeling a bit salty that day <laughs> yeah i th- I think you should I, th- I because i think i think it's really good yeah yeah like i think it's really really good like i really like baymax like baymax makes me laugh looking at him yeah but just the film yeah. itself uh yeah so I, w- I will watch it again one day but um Jeez. I didn't like it the first time I watched it. But like I said earlier, I've there's been plenty of movies that I watched with preconceptions about what they were going to be like and then later went back and liked them. So, you know, I'll probably do that with Big Hero 6, I'm sure. You never know. Yeah, exactly. So, shall we go through our lists again? Yes, please. Cool. So my list was number five, The Jungle Book. Number four, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Number three, Winnie the Pooh. Number two, Aladdin. And number one, Basil of Baker Street. Great list. So my top five. Uh, Number five, The Little Mermaid. Number four, The Sword in the Stone. Number three, Lilo and Stitch. Number two, Beauty and the Beast. I find it really hard not to say Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) Um, Number one, Big Hero 6. Nice. Um, yes. And I won't spend too long on them, but I do have a little a little set of honourable mentions that I'll just run through. So, obviously, The Lion King is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zootopia. I, have you seen Zootopia? Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, That's I love such Zootopia. A good film. Mulan, so which good. was number one. Mulan yeah. kind of stands with the films I've listed today. I, lo- I adore Mulan. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. which you've talked about. Hercules, which you've talked about before as well, I really like. Also, Moana, yeah. which obviously we like. Snow White. Um, I have great memories of watching that as a kid. Pinocchio is my mum's favourite. Mm. I really like Pinocchio. Fantasia is flawed yeah. and long, but weird and cool as well. Yeah. Uh, Dumbo <laughs> is... Gr- the pink elephant sequence in Dumbo is great. Bambi, um, yeah. Yeah. The Rescuers, 
is good. The Fox and the Hound, I've always had a weird soft spot for. Again, that's one of the lesser known ones. The Emperor's mm. New Gro- Groove was another one that was on my list yeah. to watch again because I think if I watched it again, I'd really like it because I've only seen it once and I remember loving it. Um, Atlantis mm. Lost Empire, again, one of the underseen ones. I think it's cool and it's another one I want to rewatch soon. Tangled is good. Wreck It Ralph, obviously. Frozen, 101 Dalmatians. Uh, yeah, that's my own mentions. Yeah, pretty much the same. Um, I like. Yeah, I would put also. Um, I really like the Three Caballeros. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I've never uh, seen it. it was, like, I've never really seen old, many of those kind nine... of really old ones where they're packaging together a few different stories yeah. and stuff. Like I've got really fond memories of it, but I'm not sure how correct it, they were. So I was like, they're they're pretty fun though. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about then, Disney Plus uh, is that they're all there now. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah, but there's some amazing thing like WandaVision. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, from what you haven't said, probably Lady and the Tramp. I really, really liked it. Mm. Um, Cinderella was my go-to. Oliver and Company. I've never seen um, it. I really want to watch Oliver and Company. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's really good. Really, really good. Cool. Okay, so homework time. Uh, I... Yeah, but you... So you've seen The Jungle Book, you've seen Aladdin, you've seen The Great Master Detective, so it's between Winnie the Pooh and Ralph Breaks the Internet. I kind of wanted to set yes. you Ralph Breaks the Internet because I would really like to know what you think of it, but if you haven't seen Will Wreck-It Ralph, I don't see yeah. much point. What are you doing? I'm very excited, yeah. Oh, what? so you're gonna, what, what are you going to watch? Oh, I thought you said Wreck-It Ralph. Well, I'd like to watch Wreck-It... Well, yeah, but Wreck-It Ralph isn't technically on my list. Do you, will you watch Ralph Breaks the Internet as well? Or is that too much? Yeah. Are you sure? I can watch both. Okay, let's no do that then. Because I think you should watch that yeah. Winnie the Pooh movie at some point, because I love it. But I'd, I'll watch all three. Yeah, yeah. Don't but worry I'd about love, it. I'd love your take on, like, the <laughs> Disney princess scene in Ralph Breaks the Internet and stuff. I'd really like to know okay. what, you, what you make of that. Uh, so, cool, okay. cool, cool, cool. What am I watching? <clears throat> Are you watching Leland Stitch? Good. I've wanted to see it for a yeah. while, so I'm yeah. happy to watch Lilo and Stitch. I'll just fast forward through the Elvis stuff. It'll be fine. No, it's part of it. Uh, you you might start liking Elvis after this. I, I don't know. It's, will just, it's just lovely. Never. Don't you dare accuse me of liking Elvis. Thank you very much. You're so you're so like. See now you're salty. You're just gonna be like, oh my god, I hate it because. Elvis, you know. No, I'd, I'm, I'd, I'm being a bit. I'm being. I'm being um, silly. He's fine. I used to love. Do you remember that song? A little less, a little less conversation, a little more action. Yeah, a little more action. Please. And they did that. Junk, Junkie XL, I think, did the remix of it that was yeah. on the night. I used. I had that on CD single, and I played it so much. My grandmother made me turn it off. <laughs> so I think we've all had enough of this song now, George. Anyway. Um, cool. What? Next. But before we finish, oh, yeah. what are your recommendations of this week? Uh, I would definitely say, um, the Netflix film Red Dot. People should check that out. That's a really cool new Netflix mm. movie. And uh, those episodes of the Adam Buxton podcast that we were talking about are really worth a listen. Um, uh, you know, Stuart Lee, Robbie Williams, Paul McCartney. They're pretty pretty entertaining yeah. listens. What about you? Oh, definitely listen to the staves. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do that. Good woman. Yeah, good stuff. So next time we're gonna try something a little bit different, and we're gonna be listing our five favorite music performances on YouTube. Uh, so you know somebody will go on Saturday Night Live or a late night chat show or or Tiny Desk concert or any of these things, and these performances all end up on YouTube, and some of them are 
truly spectacular and amazing um including well we'll talk about next week but yeah so we'll be (laughs) we'll be listing our favorite of those next week so join us for that please email us uh contact us any way you can on social media to give send us your lists thoughts opinions please subscribe to us if you haven't done so yet rate and review us on on all the apple podcasts and everywhere else you can review podcasts and uh send us your lists please 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 send us your lists we'd love to read them out yes it'd be great thank you for joining us thank you love you bye